0: Oh, I watched uh, Dunkirk, by the way. Save it for the podcast. When are we going to talk about Dunkirk during the podcast?
1: I don't know. I'm not saying anything about movies till so we get started.
0: Hello and welcome to Board Game Box Office, Table Knot's podcast about board games, movies, and all the space in between. My name is Max, and I'll be ditching Gen Con to go see Oppenheimer in 70mm IMAX the way our father, Christopher Nolan, intended. I'm joined today by Kenny, who will be departing halfway through the episode because he ditched us on Saturday to avoid the Barbenheimer double feature. Kyle, who's ditching us for all of Gen Con, Doolin, who avoided us for the entire month of July, and Jash, who's ditching us for the next two years. But before all the ditching, we enjoyed a lovely Barbenheimer weekend together, for the most part, and we've got lots of games to talk about, as well as our first impression reviews of Barbie and Oppenheimer. Let's talk about the games we played this weekend. Kyle, why don't you kick us off with the first one Lords of Ragnarok oh, by geez. Awaken Realms? Why? <laughs>
2: okay you're the only one with skin in the game on this one kyle yeah, listen to people listen to the podcast i would like to sell this so don't take what i say to mean <laughs> <anything>. <laughs> uh, it's great everyone should
0: buy kyle's yes. copy <laughs>
2: Agreed. um no lords of ragnarok is an area control game by awaken realms and it is very awaken realmy um, It's very mechanical. Give me a second. Nash loves it too. (laughs) Uh, It's very mechanical. There's a lot of rules minutia. (laughs) How did he get it back? Uh, Anyway, I didn't really like it. Two minutes Uh, in. um, (laughs) We should really start the show. I do like some of the pieces of it. And similar to a movie I watched this weekend, uh Tenet, I think it does a lot of good things, and I'm not ready to invest the time that it needs to like fully enjoy it um where i like I like Tenet, but I feel like it requires multiple rewatches and mul- and like truly like be fully focused and Lords of Ragnarok just requires i don't know four plays before it would start to be like really fun, I think. Um, How and dare
0: just, you compare Tenet to Lords of Ragnarok?
2: It, it's not wrong. It's I will not, not
0: stand for this Tenet slander. Okay, I, I was like, which one Which one is Max upset about? I like Tenet. Tenet. I, 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 do like,
2: I do like Tenet more than Lords of Ragnarok, but I think also it's a,
0: we literally we could watch Tenet again in the time it takes us to play Lords of Ragnarok. In time it takes to
2: set up. It took us an hour to set up Lords of Ragnarok, which is also a major issue, but I've said my piece. And we didn't play with the modules either. Let's pass it off to somebody who also loved it, Kenny. They were modules? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I did not like that game. Um, it was, for an area control game, it was like slow and kind of plotting. Like, you were making in- incremental progress in the game, and it just didn't, I mean, it just never really felt like knowing what the direction was to go like i think it was probably due to a first play as well but it just wasn't Mm -hmm. exciting as well Mm -hmm. um like we just i mean i never even interacted with kyle in the entire game like we were kind of caddy from each other on the map the only time
0: i interacted with josh is when he came into my space to win the game yeah that was it
3: and just like it i think like and and josh won. like he, he did a really smart move at the end but it's just like it was because like i we couldn't really and Decipher the board and what was really going on. Yeah, like he made a move where he like controlled a few territories, and that was one of the major win conditions. And it's just like, oh, hey, he did it. Oh, all right, cool. And it's just, it was just kind of like a womp 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 kind of moment, like just, you know, like you're letting yeah. a air out of a balloon or something. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, I, and the thing is, I I like Lords of Hellas. I remember playing it like five or six years ago, and I was like, oh, this is really quite good, but. This was just like, it just there's so many mechanics to it, and there's like so much to it, uh, and there's just really no excitement or payout to it. So
0: yeah, after one play, I would declare Hellas easily the better game. Now I'm looking forward to playing Ragnarok again. And we will. Mm-hmm. I want to explore it a bit more, try it out. But I mean, you've already kind of ad- addressed the issues. My main complaints here, I have three main complaints. The first is that it's just incredibly mechanical, like it's. It's all just like, like you said, kind of incremental climbing a ladder. Like, it doesn't feel like anything you're doing is very impactful, but yeah. it is necessary to the game. Uh My other complaint is that, like, there's not really, <laughs> well, <laughs> there's lots of stuff on the board, so much so it's incredibly <laughs> difficult to parse. But your your warriors, there aren't that many. And, like, they use the dial system from, like, hero clicks to, to designate, like, how much health they have, which, A, is hard to read. And B, I think that the lack of actual figures, like there's less figures in this game than in a game like uh, Blood Rage or Lords of Hellas or Inish or something like that. And the abilities that allow you to move on the map, much like ones that Jash used towards the end, and how far of a reach your ships can go, it almost makes the area control feel pointless. Like it's not really there. Yeah, like, it was very you, weird. You get to an area and you gain what I would say, control of it. And then it doesn't, like, leave. Who cares? It doesn't... (laughs) Being there matters not anymore. Like, all you care about is getting to locations to gain control, but you don't care about maintaining control, for the most part. It just seemed like it was all kind of just unimportant to the grand scheme of things. And then the game just ended like, like a flash in the pan, basically, like you said. I really just didn't... I didn't hate it, but I was hugely disappointed in it, because I expected to really like it, and it was not that.
1: I do think that, you know, in the first play, there were definitely things about it that just sort of fell through the cracks, like, um, we didn't realize that monsters could positively affect you instead of only negatively affecting your enemies until, like, three-fourths through the game, so... Like, I'm curious if just knowing the mechanics a little bit better and knowing how some of those wind conditions could turn quickly would, like, improve the quality of our play at all. But on the, at the same time, it was, like, a really long game, and yeah, I yeah. feel like there are plenty of other games, uh, like Blood Rage, that can accomplish that same thing in a shorter amount of time.
0: I'm sure it would improve the play and I'm willing to give it a couple of more, but like there's, it's
2: a lot. I know, I, I know I mentioned like, it was like long and like, I definitely don't mind trying it and like playing it again, but I am, I'm really, I don't know. I'm purposeful on people's time. Right. And when we were playing, I could, I could tell Kenny didn't really like it and I just felt bad. I felt bad that we still had like two hours. (laughs) I felt bad that Jash had to leave in like 45 minutes and we were like halfway through. And I was just like, we could be doing anything else. (laughs) We're doing and we're doing this. (laughs) We mentioned like playing with Doolin uh, the next day, which would have been fine. I would have loved to try it again with Doolin. But again, it's just like the opportunity cost. We would have lost out on playing anything else. And that's where I really that's where I really struggle with it. We got to play Tapple
1: like seven times and yeah, the time in,
0: it took you to set up to the set board up of exactly. Lords of Ragnarok
4: <laughs> but
0: just real the though. board
3: <laughs> and like with Lords of Ragn- Ragnarok I really thought of like just the Blood Rage test Like, would I rather play Blood Rage over this right and that's just because Blood Rage is just like such a exciting like continues to be an exciting area control game that is like fast and breezy and just full of tension and excitement and just it's like kind of like the Lords of, R- Lords of Ragnarok for me ragnarok felt like the opposite of that i mean um, we're gonna yeah.
2: get to some more area control games that just are just so much smoother and it made yeah. me appreciate them a lot more after playing lor
3: yeah but i will say okay production wise that the game is amazing like it's uh, like i think the the minis are fantastic and um the art is
0: i really do think the wash of everything mm-hmm. looking very same colored struggles though like That's i think true. it makes it more difficult to parse the board
3: agreed it's almost like a game like if you really want to make it the legible game like you probably yeah. need to paint it um and the
0: runes are like egregious yeah. like They're the small. fact that, that they all have different pack. symbols
2: on it i like, didn't realize yeah. that they were it's so different. bad i paid extra for those <laughs> oh my god i'm so frustrated
3: <laughs> well anyway don't listen to this uh, someone buy Kyle's game so you can yeah, make it turn bucks back please
2: Please.
0: Doolin, do you have anything you want to say about Rat? Uh, you, you did not play it. You're the one here that did <laughs> not play it.
4: Um, I just want to say that you guys did a great job in selling me
2: Kyle's copy. Oh, good! <laughs> I will give you a discount, Doolin. His Venmo <laughs> is Maxwell... <No. laughs> it's actually Kyle-King-57 if anybody wants to send me anything.
1: <laughs> I do want to say that the theme does speak to the like mecha lover in my soul. Like, I saw that, and I'm like, ooh, this is
2: awesome.
0: Yeah, but that's also in I, Hellas. I haven't
2: played Hellas. I have no frame of reference. And
0: Hellas is just a better
2: game, in my opinion. Uh, I'm we'll not con- I'm not convinced Hellas is a better game. I feel like it'd be the exact same, in my opinion. But no, You've played. never played it! I know, but they have the same... It's pretty much essentially the same thing. It has the 3-1 conditions, no, building the monument. they're
0: quite different. They are quite different, I assure you.
2: So are you not I sad
1: that you called Hellas for Ragnarok?
2: I'm not sad. I don't want either of them gotcha
0: you've never played Hellas.
2: Hellas is good and i have no interest in it it's oh by the same God. designer and this is like it a soured you successor. that
0: much that you have no interest in what i would say is a good game from him that, that fulfills re- what you wanted out of ragnarok not really think about before you had ragnarok you were excited about it right i was well let me tell you there's a game out there that does most of that called lords of Hellas <laughs> that you can
3: get for 40 dollars instead yeah. when's the last time you played lords of hellas though max yeah it's been like four years i'll admit oh, yeah i, and the I would have to think you i would have to think you've played some <laughs> a lot better air control <laughs> games in that time so that is it probably just I, I think for me that the play that i had of lords of hellas is probably like you know roast into glasses at this point so well i don't know
0: i'm gonna figure out a way to get a copy and we'll play it because i i like hellas and i think it deserves a shot Especially, I want to compare it to Ragnarok, having played Ragnarok. But anyways, let's talk about Raw. This is by 25th Century Games. It's a uh, reprint and update of a... uh, (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) It's a reprint and update of a Reiner Knizia Classic. This weekend, only Kenny, Kyle, and myself have played it, but we've all played it at a time or two this was an interesting game kenny I, it was uh good
3: but very strange yeah it was weird i, I think it just kind of speaks to like so we basically had a very low scoring game where like where we were constantly drawing the tiles that kind of like force an auction and just like was the, the final game.
0: score 20 to 22 to 23 yeah.
3: yeah Yeah, super low scoring just like it it was one of those things like where you you usually you kind of want, want to like stay in the game so you're like you can push an auction at the end and like get a lot of stuff for not a lot. And this game just like that never happened just because like those, those tiles just constantly <laughs> came out.
2: And <laughs> don't, the 23, 22, 20 score, you start off at 10. Yeah, so, so saying, really.
0: I think round one was Kenny lost five points. I stayed even at ten, and Kyle stayed well, even at ten. I think and I that got was two. you got, got two. two. Okay, <laughs> it was the most ridiculous where we just continued to pull out the Wait. raw tiles that
4: advanced the track all the time, and so no one was getting anything. <laughs> Did that include the like bonus you get from the highest like tile? that you have or something like that or is it well yeah but you also get
0: negative bonuses if you don't have certain things Mm, so yeah it was uh we were we were gaining some losing some (laughs) 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 what a crazy game it's one of those that like that's not what i want out of raw but like as a one or two off like it's hilarious and i'm perfectly happy to allow it I,
2: i love that it can happen because it means like you can't do the same old strategy of like just wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. If you wait and see in yeah. certain games, you are boned, real yeah. bad.
0: <laughs> Both Kyle and I tried to wait and see after Kenny like went out like a buster with all of his bidding things, monuments. and then the game, the round just ended. And we we're like, oh, crap, we didn't do anything. <laughs> it was uh, great, but also hilarious.
3: Yeah, I think it's just great. Like the the variability that game can create, just like through. The random draw of tiles you get, it can create like such wildly different experiences. Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: Then at some point in time this weekend, we played Rome in a Day. This is by Alley Cat Games. We've talked about this before, so I won't sit on it too long, much like we talked about Raw before, but it's a I pick, you choose game, kind of like King Domino or Acropolis where you're building up a city, scoring points with multipliers times the number of tiles you have uh this was me josh and kyle is that correct yeah
1: it was kyle's yeah. first play
0: yeah we've played it before josh but kyle what did you think about roman today
2: i really liked it uh for a 20 minute game it was it definitely has like king domino f- feel um a little bit of acropolis feel which is fine i don't know it's it's one of those games that i i really enjoyed playing but like i'm not looking to buy it it's something that like if it was sitting on my shelf and we had 20 minutes i would gladly pr- uh put it on the table but not when i'm necessarily like super stoked about joining my collection if that makes sense uh i thought it was really good I don't it's that's probably fair. really cheap It not like 15 bucks or something I'm, it's 20 like 20 bucks yeah and i mean, that's say, yeah big selling value. point
0: is it's cheap and quick right it really I mean, has
2: a, it, yeah it really has a good value so it's like hard for me to like i don't want to dog it i'm not trying to like sound negative about this game at all classic kyle, i'm just kidding uh, yeah. oh my God. here we go
4: classic kyle hates everything it's
2: i really love here. this game
0: i mean i'm with you kyle That like it's not a game that like i love and want to pull out all the time but if someone's like uh i got 20 minutes it's hard to think of something better yeah for me at least in a 20 minute time frame that's gonna suit like not not two player games i'm talking straight three four player games that would really work well in 20 minutes other than this i if you have any recommendations let us know in the discord because i'd love to find more
4: i think like with that system that Kyle talked about with uh Acropolis and King domino the reason that I would come back to it is because of the uh I pick you or, oh, yeah, yeah i, I split, split you, you choose. choose yeah uh m- mechanic that is just it, it just breathes a lot of life into
2: that uh yeah, that that is fun. system that we know
4: right I don't
2: have a ton of i, I split you choose games either. Um I don't have or any. Any, any, yeah. I think the only yeah. other one I've played is uh Castle of Mad King Ludwig, which I don't really like. Um, so yeah, this was like that is a fun me- mechanism that I you don't really see that often.
0: That is Roman the Day from cat Games. Next on the list, we played Inish, and this is by Madagot Games. Kyle, you're the biggest Inish guy here. You know the most about it. Can you tell us about Inish?
2: Yeah, Inish is a good area control game that also has three win conditions, and they are very understandable, and you can read the board. Agreed. <laughs> uh so yeah, there are three ways to win an inish. You need to be in six areas, not control them, just be in six areas. You need to be in areas with six sanctuaries, which are a type of building, or you need to be the chieftain, which is just control over six opposing armies.
4: Are you mispronouncing it? Do you mean three ways to winnish?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I refuse.
2: <laughs> I, re- I refuse. <laughs>
3: That's really just funny of you, Dylan.
2: I got a jash laugh, and that's all I needed. There's two things that I, I love about Enish. And oh my god, he finds more squeaky toys. I don't know how. <laughs> I love that about Enish. Uh, that's so my favorite
0: thing about Enish, too. There
2: are two things I really love about Enish. One is the initial draft is the same 16 cards or 17 cards in a four-player game because uh, you have a kill card in every round. So you see the same set of cards. Every single round. I love that because it makes drafting very easy because everybody knows the cards equally. Um, The second thing I love about Enish is that you have to call check or Uno if you're about to win and then wait a whole round. So there's a little bit of like stop or stop the king or something like that. Crush the person in the lead there because like you're saying, like, I'm about to win if you guys don't stop me, which can cause some troublesome games. But I just love that whole like, do I wait to like set myself up? So nobody can stop me, and I I tried to do that, and Kenny <laughs> laid waste to that plan real fast because there are also this deck of red cards which are completely random and unique to certain people. You have to acquire these red cards, and nobody knows what you have. They're different than the green cards that way, and that they are just like they're the chaos starters. Um, and Kenny had a perfect one where I tried to delay my my check, and he uh, stole the win for me and Max uh, that yeah. round. So was sad but also
3: delightful it was a
2: great it was a great move that you just like one of those ones where you stand up and you applaud it doesn't matter that yeah. you lost it was just like oh that was fun to see
3: um yeah like so and is like really i feel like the polar opposite of lords of ragnarok in like so many ways just like in terms of components it's just so trimmed down um there's like pretty minimal components to actually get the game on the table and get going and like where lords of ragnarok was like incredibly like for like you know there's like you went through like a five, six step process every time to go through your turn. Like it just had this feeling of like, there there's a structure, but there's also like a frame for free where you allows for creativity on the player's part, where you can like kind of craft a strategy that um, makes sense with the cards you have. And you have to pivot sometimes based off like what cards you let go of and like what cards you bring in that can totally alter your strategy. And it's just, yeah, it's like one of those games, like rare games that like it makes you feel smarter in a way by how creative you can be with how you enact uh, your strategy at the table um re- like really really cool game i i would definitely look forward to playing it again for sure
0: yeah i i fell in love with it immediately uh i think a lot of it is stuff you've already touched on with its simplicity um i love games that uh, this is not like a race to 10 game like something like cosmic encounter or something like dune imperium but it is still a race game to an extent where you're all racing for same objectives it's it's less like oh the game ends when it ends and you tally your victory points up like you have an end goal in mind and everyone is looking for one of the same end goals to achieve to win that victory and then you have the the deeds or what they call it, that basically lower what you need to win so like i was able to on a single turn take a move that gave me two deeds because of the cards i had in my hand so then instead of needing six lands or control over six people to win I just needed four and it like changed it up drastically and that my win condition was much easier to achieve than yours Um uh, which I just thought was very interesting of course I gave up to get those deeds but I just really liked that element of the game uh the draft is incredible it all being just so smooth in my opinion is its biggest boon uh you know we came from something like Lords of Ragnarok the day before or no the very same day and <laughs> playing Inish was just easy breezy beautiful and it was delightful
2: what do you guys think of the battling system where you can uh you can choose not to battle uh whatsoever and just be in peace or uh you can when you attack someone they have to choose to remove a troop or discard one of their green cards which is essentially currency those are your actions so mm-hmm. those choices are tough
0: Yeah, I loved that, especially in addition to the, is it Citadels or the whatever ones? So there's like, if you you go into an area with a Citadel, say I'm walking in there and and maybe Kyle and Kenny only have one unit there and I'm like, I want to fight, but there's two Citadels and Kyle's like, "Um, nope, I'm going to go in this Citadel and Kenny's like, no, I'm going to go in this Citadel and then they're just safe from anything. Like I'm not able to attack them, Uh, which really adds a whole new element to just like deciding whether you're going to get what you want. From that attack, like if I need to remove a warrior, or if I need to get Kyle out of this location, but he's going to be able to move into a citadel immediately. Like all of those things are just small little additions that you need to think about and consider when planning out your your routes. Um, but very easy to implement uh, as far as like the discarding a card or warrior. Warrior, I thought that was great. Like you said, your cards are your action economy. It's your it's your currency. It's a battle of attrition. Um, I also adored the ability to just pass and if three if all three or if all players pass consecutively the, the round just ends but like kyle can say i pass because he wants to hold on to his green cards and then i can pass and kind of force kenny's hand like kenny has a choice here does he just pass the whole round or does he have good enough cards that he wants to do something with them i just love that element like a bit of a bluffing uh, excitement i just thought it was great uh, i came away from this weekend with a few games that <clears throat> I really, really enjoyed or surprised me, but Inish is uh, the one that stood out the most,
2: I think. Sorry we didn't get to play with you, Dolan.
4: Oh, no, I'm I'm pumped to play, and if Max likes it this much, I have a feeling Max might acquire it at some point. I already own it. Oh, you do? Never mind. That's the one that I asked
0: you to buy, and you said no, and so I asked Kenny to buy, and he said no, <laughs> and then I said, F it, I'll buy it. <laughs> 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 yeah no I own it um, yeah I did like how on Saturday we were like I was like alright let's play Inish and then Emily came in and we were like alright let's play five player game and I was like yeah cool let's absolutely do that and then when Emily left y'all were like oh, let's play Tammany Hall and I was like wait what? <laughs> I was like, I was like- I'm very happy that we played Tammany Hall too because I love that game. But I, I was like, wait,
2: we had Inish on the table. <laughs> and now that we're playing a four-player game. We're not playing Inish. That's partly my fault. Dolan has been wanting to show me Tammany Hall. I've been wanting to play Tammany Hall.
0: I'm glad we showed you Tammany Hall, which let's just move right on over to Tammany Hall. It's out of order in the way that I have it in the Google Doc, but let's take care of that right now. Tammany Hall by Pantasaurus Games is another area control game that we played this weekend. One that I think most of us here would declare uh, the opposite of Lords of Ragnarok in the sense that it is like just a, a board and some brown or some some cubes, some wooden cubes and meeples, and like not even any cards or anything, and some wooden discs, and it's just very easy breezy to play, but also incredibly tense and satisfying at the same time.
2: Yeah, beige's best, baby! My gosh, I think me and Kenny have similar feelings. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier today, in that. You play Lords of Ragnarok, and then you play games like Kamany Hall and Enish, and it makes you kind of start to think about like, man, this Kickstarter bloat is so unnecessary. I think it was really the show that broke the camel's back because like, and this like just happened this week. And for the longest time, I've been interested in as much Kickstarter stuff as I can get. I love the uh, stretch goal boxes. I wanted it all. I want all of it. And then this weekend, setting up Lords of Ragnarok, which was so frustrating and so annoying. And then playing Innish and playing Tammany Hall. And then just like a light went off where like there are so many great games that are area control. Let's just stick with that. Just stick with area control that are so easy to get to the table that doesn't take up your entire calyx. And it makes me like it just like it's changed my game buying philosophy, really. Like I have no i've lost so much interest in looking at kickstarters anymore and when it comes to those types of games like mordred even which i thought was looked awesome i'm like ugh, i don't need all of that anymore i don't
3: yeah same thing actually i think we because we were both like oh yeah we're gonna definitely back mordred um but we i didn't back it i assume you didn't either nope um just because like it's just it reaches the point like if we're just I don't want all these boxes to hold all these games. I don't want a five player expansion. <laughs> I don't want uh, a stretch goal box. I don't want like the premium component upgrade pack, you know, it's just, too, it's just too much. Um, especially when you can go back to these games where it's just like contained and clean and just uh, in one box. Like, I think like, I, I think we mentioned this, like I love blood rage because you can get everything in one box and you can have like a complete experience in one box and you still have like the comp- the The nice minis, the premium components, and all that. It's just I don't, I don't need all. I don't play these games enough to like warrant having like, uh, fifteen different versions of it that can like add a very little bit of variability to it every time. So I just want like a good, solid core experience that I can return to and have like a reliably uh, fun time whenever I revisit it. And
2: Tammany Hall is like thirty dollars, which <laughs> is like and lords of ragnarok kickstarter i probably spent 200 on it so it's just <laughs> it's like the the value is insane because I, I, to get back to tammany hall like i love that game i did very yeah. bad at it but i still loved it i loved everything mm-hmm. about it i actually like the look no jokes about that i like the look i like the components i think there was something charming about just having wooden cubes out there and the, the cute little meeples out there um and it was just like it was fun there was just so much interaction there's so much bs and in- my favorite part about Tammany Hall was that Max was crying the entire game, and we <laughs> stopped early because he was crushing us so bad. Well,
0: that's true, but it was warranted. Uh, <laughs> the crying
2: wasn't. I'm no, Warren so. wasn't there.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Doolin. You, Neither was You got to stop hanging out with Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you got to leave. Go back to Japan. Can we expedite your, your leaving to Japan? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I the the complaints when we when I had playing Tammany Hall was not I'm doing bad, it was there have been five slander tokens used this entire game, one of which was by me and the other four were on me and we so- had to
1: <laughs> yeah you still won despite that so it's not like we were picking on you I know. we were going I know. against I the leader. <laughs>
0: I wasn't complaining that I was losing. I just I was complaining about the fact that I was getting beat up on <laughs> not successfully not that were kicking me while I was
4: down, just that I was being your punching bag. I think this game is interesting because, you know, normally area control games, I feel like they're very strategic and fair the entire way through. But Tammany Hall has almost like a Mario uh, like cart feel where you'll be in the lead and you get extra points for it, but you're actively handling blue shells to everyone at the table. <laughs> to worked come just fine for you. me. <laughs> What'd you say, Max?
0: I said it worked just fine for me.
4: Yeah, yeah. Right, but that three I, points I, is pretty good still. Mm-hmm. I, I just love the game itself and even, I don't know, I, the the race... And on top of that, the catch up mechanics make uh, even I think like Kyle even said it. He loved this game despite doing poorly. But like all of us still until that final round where Max like took off uh, were pretty close. And I think if we played that final round, I think we just wanted to get to other games. I think if we played that final round, there's a chance we could have drawn close. But like. Nah. Nah. Max we was like but... let's let's let max have it and uh get to Tapple for seven rounds
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: we didn't which even really the last two. talk about like
0: the the core element of
4: tammany hall which
0: is the mm. blind bidding um which yeah. is just such a fun way to go about it and you know we, we mentioned something like this being in contrast lords of ragnarok of course like on your turn in tammany hall you do one of two things <laughs> You put out two super-duper cute, according to Kyle, raid boss uh, miniatures or, or meeples. They or are. you I, I you know, I don't know, but if I ever called my raid boss cute, I might not live to see another day. And Kyle and pats then, him on the head and slaps yeah. him on the butt. <laughs> yeah. Get out there, raid boss! <laughs> you know, give me a little and smooch then, on the cheek. Uh, the other action is you take one raid boss out, and then you like entice an immigrant wear. to move to a certain location. Um, <clears throat> and it's just like, that's it! Then you have bonus actions like slander or your abilities that the mayor gave you, but each turn is just incredibly simple as far as what you can do, but incredibly difficult difficult as far as what you should do. Um, and so it's that Reiner Knizia, it's not designed by him, but it's that, it's that formula where it's just like super small, limited action selection, but you can do a lot of stuff with it. Um, and I, I adore Tammany Hall.
4: We should say too that uh, the game and us knows that uh the theme is a bit problematic because it deals with uh mob bosses basically rigging elections but the game even mentions that and is like hey this was a bad part of our history let's not do it anymore (laughs) um and then on top of that i do want to bring up the fact that i think area control blind bidding i compare this game a lot to i know you guys have brought up lords of ragnarok but i often compare this to rising sun i was just thinking uh, because because a lot of that game is area control mixed with Uh, Blind bidding for control of those areas based on your resources you've collected, and I love both those games a lot. Both I think are a top fifty, but Tammany Hall gets the edge just Mm -hmm. a little bit with uh, some of those extra things. I think I like Tammany Hall more than Rising Sun too.
2: I think the bidding in Rising Sun
0: is just has so you have more options, right? Like the bidding in Rising Sun is you're bidding to win this area. The I mean I'm sorry. The bidding in Tammany Hall is you're bidding to win this area. The bidding in Rising Sun is. Uh, you could be bidding on five different things that you may want to lose this area you may want to win this area you may yeah. pull in someone else it's just it's just there's more which isn't necessarily bad but tammany hall is just kind of it shines above it in my opinion just because of how streamlined it is i think
2: dang i don't know which one i like more <laughs> <laughs> that's saying a lot from coming from you i think
4: yeah
0: yeah i, so too. I mean
2: rising sun is my least favorite of the trilogy um anyway i it's it's very close. It is very close. I'll need to play Tammany Hall a couple more times, I think. Next game we played
0: was a Fiori by Schmidt Spiel. Uh, We've all played this game. I think in the course of the past week, Josh and I have played it at two player and Kenny, myself and Kyle have played it at three player. Uh, But Dylan's played it before too. Uh, We've talked about it before in the past, but I specifically want to know what you have to say about it, Kyle. It was good. Okay, I agree. Good game. Moving on, Kenny.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a good game. Josh? We we'll play again.
1: Uh, this is the first time we played it too, and I was impressed oh, by true. how fast it was. It was like a 30 minute
0: game or something like that. that. Game. Yeah. Yeah, we we ran through a two player game. It was great. I love that. Faster
2: than our Glenmore game that one time?
0: Probably, but close. Well, I've never
2: been more shocked by a <laughs> play of a game ever. <laughs> <laughs> max was on turbo mode he wanted to get out of columbus so bad he's like all right (laughs) let's play this real quick i gotta go that was a great game though i want to play it again it was it was (laughs) but but i love millie fiore
1: it's one of my favorite i
2: really did like i like millie fiore but i don't know if i don't know it was just a perfectly acceptable fine game Mm mm-hmm
0: no, I, I think it's a really, really, really solid mid to light, uh, like m- medium light game. Easy to teach other people how to play, I think. not necessi- I, I don't want to say it's like in the exact same category as Azul, nor is it an Azul killer. But like, I could see if you like Azul, this yeah, also certainly. may be a good game. You're placing things next to each other, comboing off of each other. It's also a game that I would say is like roll and write in board game form, just yeah. with combos and extra actions left and right. Like, when I ended the game in our two-player game with Josh, I ran out of tiles, which is why the game ended, and Josh had, like, ten tiles left, like, because I was just taking extra action upon extra action upon extra action, and I think I beat him by almost 100. I was, like, 204, and he was, like, 107 or something like that. Every other
1: time we've played this game, I've done pretty good, and he was like, this is the last round, and I was like, what?
0: (laughs) like, oh, yeah, that (laughs) is the game, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) it's so many tiles
1: left
0: next we played a real light game by Ravensburger, but one i love so much and that is strike this was kyle's first time playing strike we've all uh, we've all else played strike before but kyle what'd you think about that
2: it was so stupid <laughs> but in a good way or so a bad way but I loved every second of it yeah yeah uh, yeah. there was i mean I had the most stand-up moments of the weekend right oh yeah when anytime somebody rolled a double and they only had two dice left or like, hit a double and there two dice left oh my god all of us were out of our chair it was yeah <laughs> <laughs> very very fun it is it is ridiculous I, but I think the moment
4: of almost the entire weekend for games was you had one dice left and there was one dice in there. You rolled your one and got a double. Then that meant Max, who only had two dice left, rolled his dice, he got a double, and then I rolled six dice and got a full straight and was knocked out of the game.
2: (laughs) And it was delightful. That was so funny. I also yeah. like anytime somebody threw out of the box because it's like so simple to just get it in the box. And like my, the first time I did, it, I felt like such a moron. I'm like <laughs> the box is like big enough; you should get it in there every time. And it happened more than once. I don't want to live anymore. <laughs> I don't yeah,
3: want to be around
5: anymore.
2: <laughs>
3: like when you're trying to like aim those dice you're trying to like i'm gonna get this perfectly right and you just hit it out of the box You're like that was just such a waste that was yeah. there's no skill that i was gonna add to and that it's so to that funny role. too
0: because i do it every time but like you said kenny i'm gonna aim this dice just right it's like you're still rolling a dice and hitting another <laughs> dice it's like, there's still so many elements of luck here, but I'm totally with you. Like, when I'm throwing that dice, I'm like, Yes, if I hit it right here,
2: I'll knock them all into each You're other. You're like, that, that dice is a three. I know I have to hit it if I want to match yeah. it. I know it can't be a three. So I better slam <laughs> like, it.
0: Oh, man. Even just talking about Strike makes me so happy, though. What it like, I agree with Kyle. What a dumb, silly game, but one I just absolutely adore every time
2: everyone should own Strike.
0: Yeah, a 100% <laughs> agree. Next, we played Cosmic Encounter by Fantasy Flight Games. This, this is was a... so
2: stupid.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, everybody <laughs> joins my cult. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: this is a game where, like, it's almost a game where, like, the rules don't apply. Like, there are rules to Cosmic Encounter, uh, but You could do anything you want that your alien allows you to do, and it's just sometimes it can be absolutely absurd. In the case of Jash in this play, it was just, invite whoever you want to be your ally, you win together.
4: (laughs) Regardless of who gets to the win first. Yeah. It does, the more we play, the more I realize this game feels like playing games as a kid on the playground, where I'm like, I shoot you with a laser bolt, and you're like, I have a laser bolt shield around me, (laughs) and I (laughs) I brought my dinosaur that eats force field dogs. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes no sense at all, and I still love
0: it at times yeah this was a weird play in the sense that like i mean i enjoyed it but i wasn't sure if kyle was having fun while we were playing Kyle
2: had one turn i think <laughs> yeah, i had one turn okay <laughs> let me level it because i think you guys thought i was like being a sourpuss and maybe i was like on the surface but like i did have fun uh and i do like cosmic encounter generally but the fact that i had one turn is like is insane and also, I just couldn't get it through my head why you guys wanted to win together so bad when Dylan could have won by himself. I was like, "Why don't you win by yourself?" And then you guys are like, "Oh, well, that's three out of five of us win." I like, I like winning, and I like cooperative wins. You didn't I, need those bozos. You could have won on your
4: own. That's fair. I did have a times two and a times three. In I my... do want to say, I called
0: out at the beginning of the game that everyone was allying way too much. And Kyle's <laughs> like, uh, who cares? And then it gets to the point where Kyle has one turn. He's like, why did I only get one turn? <laughs> <'Cause>, well, Because <laughs> you allied
2: with everyone who got
0: extra victory
2: points. It had been a while since I played Cosmic. I treated it like <laughs> a lot of other games where if somebody gets in the lead, we would just attack them. And instead, the people that got the lead are like, let's all just win together. Let's all you come with me.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty hard to stop that <laughs> <laughs> especially because we were all next to each other in table order oh yeah, so it was like my so turn annoying. I was like yeah I'll join you Dash." and then on Jash's turn he was like Doolin you want to join me
5: <laughs> Doolin's yeah,
1: so, like game over so I was playing the, the cultist and my thing was literally just like I could invite anyone to join me and whoever out of all of us wins wins and Max was playing the dictator so he chose who I encountered, and I was going to invite yeah. whoever I encountered. So he basically chose who won with us. It in the was end. me.
2: I dictated. I tried to join Jas before anyone.
1: It's and I true. I told you not to. And Max made him, he changed it to where he had to fight Kenny instead.
0: <laughs> oh, man. What a stupid fun game. Next on the list, we played "Heat Pedal to the Metal" by Days of Wonder. This is one that Kyle brought down for us all to play. Did we? We played this at five, right? All five yeah, of us. Yeah, the
1: whole crew. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. yeah, and
0: this was our first time playing it, but Kyle has played it at least once, maybe twice. Um, but a super hot game on the BGG hotness. It's hard to find. Everybody wants a copy, but how did we feel about it, Kenny? Let's start with you.
3: Um. So like going into it, like I've kind of resisted buying it for a long time because even though like the art is beautiful and all that, I I can like look at it as like, I don't really need another racing game. You know, I have like, I have downforce. I have the Mario Kart pieces. I'm good. Um <laughs> the But what? I was the, the Mario Kart Monopoly pieces. It makes downforce like 10 times <laughs> but, better.
4: Yeah, they work in downforce. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were just saying that you, I have Mario Kart Monopoly, I'm fine. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, but I, I was really taken back by how good it is. is. Um, it is like such a smart design. Because, um, you know, you, you it's, it's not like a deck builder, but just like a deck management game, like a card man, hand management game where you're just trying to like maximize like your your speed around the course while trying to navigate these corners in a way that like, We'll let you still kind of uh get the the lead. And yeah, it was just really, really, really good. Um I I'm definitely gonna pick up a copy once uh it gets back in stock oh, on the shelves. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh I don't know if they still have it, Kenny, but uh Empire Comics, last time I was there, which was uh, two months ago, they had like three copies. Really? Yeah, I'm sure they're yeah. all still
3: there. They're probably all gone now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you yeah, never no know, yeah, no one cares about this you game. Never know.
0: It's a pretty small game store. You never know. Yeah. In in New Albany, Indiana. Who knows? Well,
3: maybe when I drive up to uh, Indianapolis, I'll uh, take a ticket. You a know what? For. I'm going on Saturday. I can check it out
0: for you. And if it's okay. there, I'll buy it for you. Perfect. I mean, you'll pay me, but I still have to pay <laughs> you for other stuff, anyways. So we'll figure it out. We'll square up.
4: Dolan, what would you think about heat? I loved it. I think it might have been. I don't know if we're doing don't this. Don't spoil. Later. Don't spoil. I think we are. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Uh, I it might have been the worst game. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I loved I loved Heat. I thought, uh, out of many racing games that I've played, Formula D, uh, Downforce, Camel Up, Cubitos, uh, the list goes on. Uh, I think it's one of the best uh racing games I've played. I, I get the hype uh, now that I finally played it. I, I didn't expect to like it as much, um, as some of those other games I mentioned, but. I don't know, I'll have to think about uh, doing a racing game video of which is one's best, but this one just had really smooth mechanics while also not being incredibly luck-based because it's a lot to do with uh, hand management. There's no die rolling at all. like. Um, and if you had told me that I was going to play a racing game without die rolls, I would have told you that it was going to be boring, but it was in fact not boring. It was really fun. Yeah,
1: I really enjoyed it. I really like the like the, the hand management that had sort of like almost a push your luck-esque um, feel because of you increasing the amount of negative cards that can get in your hand or you going to boost to like go around corners and it could like hurt you a little bit but not that much but then it could end up hurting you a lot. And um it really surprised me how quick it was going once we actually like got used to it because the first lap took a while and i'm like oh this feels like it's gonna be a long game and the second lap was done like super fast um but i just i had a really really good time with it
0: yeah i agree i was uh, i kind of concerned halfway through that first turn and i i was kind of like steering the ship like all right josh your turn like <laughs> I, was just, I was like it's just taking a little bit of time like let's let's get moving here but uh no i think it it, it uh Steadied the ship in the second round, where things moved quite quickly. As soon as we kind of come to terms and come to grips with once you get the phases,
2: once you get the phases down, yeah, right. you can fly through your turn.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I really liked it. I much like. I, I don't know why we were all reserved coming into heat. I was the same way though. Okay, I think it's one of those things where it like blows up and everybody loves it. And you're like, there's no way <laughs> it's gonna live up to that hype, right? Like, there's no way it's gonna be that good. Um...
5: <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely a hotball! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hello, beginning of the video. <laughs> or podcast butt boy,
5: <laughs> but boy. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> that my god that's your butt boy do it oh my
0: gosh you have to leave that oh golly okay
5: <laughs> <laughs> sorry
1: I didn't expect it to
5: be as loud as it was Oh, okay.
3: okay. <laughs> you know, if you have to lift up a cheek to make it happen, I think you should reconsider Dude, life you now.
0: Saturday, he pointed right at Kyle. <laughs> I was so mad. He pointed right at Kyle and let out the same. <laughs> It, ma- it makes me think of
1: Family Guy it? when he's like, oh, you're deaf? Could you tell I farted? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't know why he didn't point to the left, which was empty space. <laughs> <laughs> <He pointed laughs>
3: right at Kyle. Was not at me or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: it's the same for me. He waited till I was talking. He was like, all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> rip. <laughs>
2: And he Just said he didn't know how blades. loud it'd be. He said he didn't know how loud it'd be, yet he lifted <laughs> his cheek to do it. He knew. <laughs> he knew. You know, like, uh... You know,
1: ones you don't move for. You gotta get it all out. <laughs> you know, like, Chocolate Rain, where it said, I move away
0: from the mic to breathe.
1: Tulin <laughs> <laughs> moved away from the mic to fart.
0: <sighs> oh my gosh, I'm dead. I think it's one of those games where... <laughs> It's just everybody loves it so much. And so you're pensive, thinking that you can't possibly enjoy it as much as they did. And I don't know that I love it as much as these people that are claiming it's like the best game of all time. But out of all the racing games I played, it is my preference. It is my favorite. I've played Downforce. I've played Cubitos. I enjoy them both to varying degrees there's probably others even that i oh uh El Dorado. El Dorado. Yeah. i've played that but for me i think Heat is is the best of the bunch for for my money um i don't know if i'll buy it but i'm happy that someone else is just so that we can play it on occasion it's not a game i need to own but i would i would like to see it in rotation
2: every i think i talked about it in the last episode after my first play so i won't get into it too much but yeah it's definitely my preferred racing game and a genre that i don't re- tend to care for or get excited about um It is, yeah, everything you guys said is great. I just love, I think my favorite part is like the discarding the cards at the end of the round. And you can discard anything you want other than heat cards. And when we first played, it's like, why would I ever discard a four or five? And then you get to those corners and you don't want fours (laughs) and fives in your hands. Because you want to be able to be in third or fourth gear and still, and then play your ones and twos and not have to go around that corner very fast. So. Uh yeah. it's just a really really smart game. Cannot wait to play more. I hope can't wait for the expansions because you know they're planning them.
0: Totally agreed. Like the corners make that game. Like if there were no corners and it was just like, ah, just play the game, get the yeah. most fast cards you can, no no shifting, no downshifting, upshifting, heat, whatever, like then you'd be playing downforce, And uh heat's a way better game than downforce. Let's move on to startups by oink games. This is a small box game, all most at least most oink games are. Um, it's a game where you are basically trying to get the most of a certain business or company, kind of like stocks. Um, real simple game. What do y'all think about it? Not a lot, apparently. I <laughs> thought startups was pretty good. I don't love startups. Yeah, I think it's good. That's I think it's good. I just don't know when I'd pick to play it. Like, I think it was a fun time. I'm not opposed to playing it again. I won. It worked out well. but, like, it's a game that the decision space is not huge. It's very tight. Like you don't get a lot to do. You're like, I pick up this card and I play a card or I pick up this card and I pay one and I play a card, um, which is cool. I'm not opposed to that, um, but it's just not a game that I, I'm i head over heels for. I think it's good. I just don't adore it.
2: Yeah, it's just hard for me to think about playing like this over Scout, which I think I know they're both Oink games and they're they're not totally the same, obviously, but. If you're in the same setting, it's going to take the same amount of time. I just think Scouts is the better game, and I didn't hate our play of startups, and I love the theme of it, but it just, it, yeah, it didn't really excite me. Um, it was one it was a game that kind of like going like this is a five player game, and I just like all right, let's play it. Right. And it, to make a decision, I don't think anybody was really like itching to play. It was just like something I I just wanted us to be playing yep. something.
4: I am a big fan of hidden information games, and so like this scratches that itch a little bit. Um, but I will say as a person who's introduced this game to quite a few different people, it does seem to be not like everyone's favorite, but at least a solid game that whether you're new to games or really into games, uh, you can at least get into to some degree. Um, so I think, uh, I don't know when I think about startups, I think this is a great game to take, um, to, places with you because games are just like naturally good with that. And it's 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 got a little bit of meat, which I like. And then I also think it would be good for like conventions or something like that to like uh, play really, really quickly. Um, but I I I would agree. I don't think it's like anything to write home about, but I definitely think it's a game that I would say is in that good, good to great. So like a seven out of ten, maybe uh, eight out of ten, like close to there. Like I, I like this a lot.
1: The, the couple times that I've played it, it hasn't necessarily hit for me, which makes me sad because I love Oink games, and I don't ever want to say that I'm just met on any of them, but this one in particular just hasn't ever really, like, struck that good chord for me.
0: Alright, next we played So Clover by Repost Production. I don't think you were there for this either, Kenny, but have you played it before? I have, yeah. What do you think about So Clover?
3: I have, it's been so long. Uh, oh, but okay. it's, yeah, I don't know. It's it's fine. I, yeah. it, it's didn't like it come games, out
0: last
4: year. Well, mm. I mean, I think it's a little. How long, long could it possibly have been?
3: <laughs> you know, I think it came out in twenty one, but still, that's that's long enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. It didn't really. This game, like, I, I don't feel compelled to bring it out, um, just because it is a bit more thinky than what you are kind of looking for, like in a party style game. Like, I, I'd almost rather reach for Codenames, um, personally, but. Um, it's also one I haven't played as much, so maybe mm-hmm. just the familiarity isn't there.
1: Yeah, I believe Max has once called this the least fun party game.
3: I did, and I retconned that statement
0: though. <laughs> but it's interesting. I keep flip flopping on So Clover, and not not like flip flopping from good to bad. I, I definitely think it's a good game, but I still think like when we played it this Saturday, we were we were genuinely too good at our jobs. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't fun. I mean, it was it was somewhat fun. But we were far too good at giving our clues that the game was just like, oh, I, that's obvious. It's this, it's this, it's this, it's this, game over. And there was
2: no tension, no excitement, no laughter. And it's just like, meh. There were times where it was like, you would put out, and I would, like, me or Josh would get out, like, two cards on your thing before, like, Doolin and Emily even got to, like, look at the board. Mm-hmm. We were just like, all right, it's this and this. And i i still really enjoyed so clover i had a great time playing this weekend it just wasn't as raucous as the time when uh the first time we played so clover like i fell in love with it and this time was more of like okay i bet this is more of in line with what it is and it i'm worried that it would get into the same uh field as like just one where i think just one is way too easy of a game uh if you're playing with people that you know i disagree um, especially if it's like a if a bigger group, like, you just put, like, a random, like, we're, I don't know. I, I've never struggled with just one. Like, we missed maybe once, or the person doesn't get it once. And it's still fun, but it is not really a challenge. Whereas codenames, like, to Kenny's point, like, codenames is always a challenge. It's always a challenge because you're, uh, the board dictates how good you can actually be.
0: I think that I have determined after this most recent play that I don't want to play it at anything more than four. Um, and I think two to four is what I I enjoy this a lot at two. You're not going to get the raucous party game, but as a straight up, just like puzzle game to play with your significant other or someone else you're with, I think it's a great time. You both make up make up your, your boards at the same time, put them down. You can each just kind of decipher each other's puzzles and it's fun to watch, but like it, it, it was missing that raucous party element. We played games like code names and monikers that I would just pick over this. um, But that's not all the time. It really depends. I do really, really, really enjoy So Clover. It's just, it's less consistent, I guess. It's less consistently fun and funny. Like when I'm playing Code Names, there's almost always a funny situation. Or when I'm playing Monikers, you're guaranteed to be in a funny situation. Like, I don't know. It's good. I really, really like this
4: game. But this play in particular was not very stellar. I have a hard time picking between just one and so Clover, but that is not to say anything bad about either because I love both. I think they both are incredibly good games for my family. Um, and I've also loved every time I've played with you guys too. It's just, um, I think code names is great when I want to compete, but when I just want to focus on laughs, like Uh, So Clover and just one kind of is a good way to end a night um, and to take like a load off, I guess, as you uh, kind of take off your your competing jackets and just (laughs) enjoy each other's company. I I think both those games can do that for me. And I think really like they're they scratch similar issues. It just depends on player count uh, because so Clover, I think, is only what is it? It's three to six. So just one. If you have seven or eight, you're naturally going to pick that. I think I don't want to pick so clover at six. Uh, I like it at four, and in the same vein, I don't like just one at less than four. So maybe that's just like the cutoff there. Yeah, I mean, I I
1: enjoyed the play. I I enjoy that game a lot. I know it's not like the uh, it doesn't have the same energy as monikers, but I think. It's almost like instead of the like humor being generated by the collaborative part, the humor is you flipping over your things and being like, oh gosh, how am I going to connect these? Yesterday, mm-hmm. I played this game and I flipped over Child and Missile and I was like, um, <laughs> okay. War crime? I ended up going
0: with Nerf. Baby boomer. Nerf, that's actually pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I like that. Good clue.
1: But I, I I definitely agree that at um the lower player count is probably better because when you have like too many heads to collaborate, then you're gonna figure out pretty easy because you have more people to be like, Oh, this makes sense.
0: Then we played Tapple. No, this is a game. The op <laughs> games. <laughs> this is like one of those games that like is not board gamery at all, right? Like it's really no, not. It's it's like the most it's casual like in thing the same level. Played. Right, easily the most casual thing we've played. Um it's on the same level of like sorry or trouble or something like that. No, it's uh, not I know, Get I know, but here. it is like it is a manufactured like game you find at Walmart, right? Like it it's yeah. not it's not a it's not a hobby game. But it's genuinely really fun. Uh it's a game where you've got like a, a bunch of letters around a circle and basically you've got a category like songs, song names, song titles. And so like if someone presses uh B and says bad to the bone which isn't even the name of the song I don't think Is and it then not? the thing in the middle I don't know and then the next person has to say one and it, it's you get hung up on it it reminds me a lot of anomia um where you're like looking for matches and then you're yelling out what your pairs are because it keeps your brain trying to think of the next the next thing in line um with this one it's more fun because you you all know the same category and so like you're like, okay, I've I've got taco for tea, and I've got watermelon for W. And then Kyle goes and takes tea, and Josh takes watermelon, and then you're like, ah <laughs> you just like frees up you're like mm-hmm. everything I prepared for has been taken from me. <laughs> it's just it is really a good time. Maybe the surprise of the weekend, as far as just like a stupid game that
4: I did not expect the to be sleeper so sleeper hit. Yeah. We uh got introduced to this by Jeff and Jamie, uh and it was one of the very first things that Emily and I purchased before we went home. And like that is crazy because I think we played way too many games, but like Tapple Tapple was the one that we were like, we got to get this. And every single person I've introduced this to, it's been a hit and uh, I love it. I I think it's, it's great. It's even like a really good piece um, where it's satisfying to hit the buttons and like all of that stuff. And so like it draws people to it. Um, and I, I don't know, I I think it's really like for, I think, 15 bucks, like you can't get a better little quick party game to play with a, a group of people, regardless of party size.
2: It's so strange how funny this game ended up being, honestly, like it's just naming categories. Like I played this, I played a similar game uh, in the car with my girls, like I'd say a category like superheroes, and we just go back and forth naming superheroes and it's so similar to that but this it was just so funny every category was hilarious it was like a celebration whenever we hit every single letter and nobody lost that was a good time as well um yeah I, i i adored apple i think one of my favorite things about this game is just also
1: the like i don't know if culture is the right word but like you guys like as a collective you sort of like Decide how lenient you're going to be in some of the topics and, like, what you're going to accept as things. And then other times, just people say the strangest things. And you're like, I mean, I guess that counts. But where did that come from?
4: I I still love that, uh, like, we laughed so hard at Josh saying... And a country accent, my Ford F 150. My Ford F 150. For, for types of cars. And then, like, the next category over was things with wheels. And Jash began and he was like, hmm, <laughs> hmm, <laughs> hmm.
2: And I was like, how do you know? We, we were like, what are you doing? <laughs> but Ford what I'm about 150. your
1: Ford F 150?
0: <laughs> and then we just kept using it, like, things that get cold. My, my ford, ford f-150, f-150. <laughs> <laughs> what a stupid stupid game but a very fun one for sure and the last game we played this weekend was monikers published by cmyk two We've thirds of a this play one plenty of times two thirds of a play true we were not able to play the charades round because Jash had to leave us much like he will for japan shortly and uh, we've all played this before. I did find it fun. Kyle hasn't played this before until till this weekend. But after two rounds, Kyle was like, "Would Danielle just want to jump in?" And I was like, "Well, maybe, but she has no past experience of the first two rounds. We would be doing
4: charades to her, and
0: she wouldn't have the faintest idea what, what the cards are." I like?
4: think there's a video idea there where yeah, we play I'm monikers saying. backwards. On <laughs> <laughs> that is a good idea
1: it is right Max <laughs> would be like throwing a football and she'd be like how is that a catholic priest I don't get it <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man fun plays though you know how I feel about monikers I don't need to spend too much time talking about it I love it it's my favorite party game of all time but Kyle you've never played it what did you think about monikers
2: oh man I had a blast and it sucks that I had a blast because now I can't dog you guys for liking it so much <laughs> um I am upset I didn't get to play the charades uh, uh, section, but that's all right because I'm I'm gonna definitely get it I think and play again. And when I come down next, when you guys come up, we'll have to play monikers. This needs to be like a staple every time we see oh, each other for sure. Um, but it was so it was so much fun. It's, like it didn't even matter. Like me and Kenny were on a team, and like. I me and Kenny were doing pretty well, but it didn't matter. Like you and Josh were like flying through some of those, <laughs> and it was it was just impressive to watch. And you just don't care that you're losing. You still it, it doesn't make you not want to compete, which is great. You can still like have a great time with it, which is like all party games, right? You, you usually don't care too much about who's winning or losing. But, if you
0: really want to care about losing in monikers, just play with yeah. Dylan when he spends an entire minute of the charades round doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
4: just like uh,
0: for a whole minute <laughs> and then to follow that up with Jash
4: getting like 40 points in a single round it was the most crushing defeat i've ever had in this game but everybody who's listening should go watch our video of us playing this game because that, that was a good round That was a good time round.
2: the Dean clue
4: Oh my god. That was so much
0: God! Did goodness. someone say we had already known Paula Deen, And someone said butter, and Josh was like, uh, margarine. No. I was like, no, it's
1: not a clue. I got it afterwards, I'm pretty sure. You're like, oh yeah, Paula Deen.
0: But yeah, the little, the little inside jokes in this game just kill me. Like, it is the most fun, in my opinion. I just adore it. Now, before we get into the movies, we're going to give everyone a chance to just run through and rank all the games that they've played this weekend. We're not going to talk about them. We just want to hear what people felt about them. Um, Of course, if there aren't games on one person's list, it's because they didn't play them. So, Doolin, run us through your ranking from bottom to top, if you will. Okay, so
4: I would say... It's straight all over again. My least favorite, I think, is going to shock people. But I think my least favorite was Cosmic Encounter. Um, Even though it was funny, uh, I don't think it was necessarily a fun play. Uh, Then next up was Startups. Then uh, I would say So Clover. Then Tapple. Then Strike, because I loved our Strike play. (laughs) And then... Uh my last two would be Tammany Hall then Heat. Heat Tammany Hall one. above or below Heat. I I just really like that play of Heat. That was really good. Interesting. Alright.
1: Alright, well I'll start up with startups. And nice. then Good one. Good one <laughs> Thanks. 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 Um and then uh Lords of Ragnarok, then Tammany Hall. Then cosmic encounter, then monikers. So clover, roam in a day. Uh, Tapple at number two, sleeper hit right there. <laughs> yeah. And then number one, heat, pedal to the metal. Loved it. Great play. Love here.
3: All right, Kenny, what you think? Um, so let's do like my top three and bottom three. Uh, my top game probably would be Inish for sure. Um, I it's like a game I'm I'm ex- pretty excited to play again. Um, and just I was just really taken by the creativity in it. Uh next to be heat, I just think it's such a clean clean design and just really well done. And then I think probably like honestly my third favorite was probably Strike. I think just it was just like super memorable fun mm-hmm. games. Um bottom would probably be Lords of Ragnarok for sure. Sorry Kyle. It's a great game someone buy it off him. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh
2: Kyle-King-57.
3: <laughs> yeah, you can find him on the Discord. Um, <laughs> I, I would actually agree and like, I think Cosmic Counter is probably like, I love Cosmic, it's in my top ten. I to, but just that game, just the, that combination of powers, or just the way we played the game, wasn't as uh, as memorable or fun. And probably, I don't know if my last one, I, I mean, we played some really good games. Like, I, I hesitant to put Millie the Fury there, because I, I really enjoyed it, Um, but probably maybe that would be the other bottom three.
2: Alright, I would go uh, from bottom to top, Lords of Ragnarok, Startups, Cosmic Encounter, uh, Paint the Roses, Dolan. You forgot about Paint the Roses, uh, which I did. I I enjoyed it enough. Um, then I would go So Clover, then Millie Fiore, then Roman a Day, then Strike, then Raw, then Tapple, and then my final four is going to be Heat, Pedal to the Metal, Monikers, Tammany Hall, then Inish.
0: I got so excited to hear you say monikers. You love to three. see it. I love to see <laughs> it.
2: You love to see it.
0: I have startups at number thirteen, followed closely by Lords of Ragnarok at number twelve. Um, I had Lords of Ragnarok at number thirteen, but it was really mostly off of expectations. Like I did enjoy my play of Ragnarok more than my play of startups. I'm just very sad that I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to. Like I expected so much more, so it fell so far down. Uh, then so clover, excellent game, just not a particularly amazing play. Millie Fiori, uh basically the same, excellent game, good play. Uh, actually, this would be higher if I was considering Jash's play. Um so Millie Fiori should be bumped up if I'm considering my two player game. I was really only at the time considering my three player play of Millie Fiori. Uh, Cosmic Encounter number 9, excellent game, not a particularly great play. Roman a day, raw strike at number 6, Monikers at number 5 which is still better than number four, which is Tapple. but Tapple's play was just a surprise hit for me, followed by Heat at number three, Tammany Hall at number two, and Inish is number one, uh, far and away. I mean, Tammany Hall and Heat are great, but like Inish was just th- the golden child of the weekend for me, and I cannot wait to play it again. All righty. Kenny, do you want to stick around for the Barbenheimer event discussion, or are you out for the time being? Uh, I'll leave you guys to it. Okay. Everybody say bye to Kenny. Bye, right, Kenny, get out of here. Bye, bye
3: Kenny. I uh, have fun talking about your five-hour uh, movie experience. Thanks, man. You're up. You're kin- enough.
4: You're enough. <laughs> you are. <kin-off. laughs> you are I liked how Josh harmonized with this a little bit. But did I? I was like, bye, Kenny. Bye, Kenny. Kenny.
5: Like, bye. <laughs> bye, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> See you bye, later, bye, Kenny. Bow.
4: See you guys. Have a good one, everybody.
0: Alright, now we're moving on to our feature right, topic. let's talk crap about let's Kenny. Talk about, he, wow, he is so
4: <laughs> quiet. No, I'm just... Oh my goodness.
0: I didn't hear him at all He's... at the movies.
4: <laughs> Somebody, <it makes> <laughs> Somebody donate some money in uh, Patreon so we can buy him three mics. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh man, okay. So before we
0: get into talking about our reviews of Oppenheimer and Barbie, I do want to bring in the discussion to the Barbenheimer event meme, whatever you want to call it. Um, This is a event for the ages at the box office. I think it really amped up everything about this weekend and made it something that us as well as moviegoers, as well as people that aren't typically served by the movie community um, or film community, were going to this event. And I think it's great. I think it's amazing. I have some notes here written down. Of course, feel free to jump in at any point in time. But it obviously shattered predictions. Like, big time. Barbie made double what it was predicted to make. or, Or I'm talking first weekend, initial weekend, initial day. Barbie made double. Oppenheimer made triple what it was projected. Like, it really did pull in. Huge numbers, or maybe that's vice versa. It could be vice versa. Regardless, pulled in huge numbers. And obviously that is helped by the fact that this is like a meme, an event. And over uh according to the National Association of Theatre Owners, more than two hundred thousand people purchased same day tickets for both Barbie and Oppenheimer. So this was obviously not like these movies just blowing everything out of the water. There was a synergy there that you don't typically get on uh, on movie going events, but
1: that number seems lower than I thought it would have been.
0: Well, that is just according to one source. And, that might, and same day. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's just same day, not same weekend, not same anything like that. Strictly same day tickets. Um, But yeah, crazy numbers in my opinion. I, I would be very curious to know what the next <laughs> highest is because I can't imagine it's even anywhere close to that, personally. Um, mm-hmm. Barbie has, at the time of recording, which is Thursday night, crossed over 500 million worldwide at this point in time it's huge oppenheimer is over 100 million just domestically which again is still much better than it it, that it anticipated on doing Um, barbie is the best domestic opening day in all of 2023 beating out super mario brothers it's the biggest north american opening for a movie directed by a woman of course greta gerwig and it's the biggest debut also for a comedic film like ever but i think the most uh, yeah, as far as I'm aware, it is the biggest first day debut for a comedic film.
2: Yes, that's awesome. Um, I love the event of this. Yes, and I pray, <laughs> pray people don't try to replicate it. It's well, too they, late, replicatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's too late for sure. I've seen, I know. I've seen it's memes so all over
0: about Greta Gerwig, and it's talking about how like Greta Gerwig must feel like Oppenheimer now. As far as like starting a chain event that's gonna end the world, because now <laughs> Barbie being this massive success, ha- like Mattel has already came out and said that they're pu- they're doing more movies. I hate Lena it. Lena Dunham is directing a movie with we- the girl from Emily in okay. Paris on Polly Pocket. Like that's already guaranteed to be a thing, and oh it's going to fail. Like it's the they're it's going, going to take all the,
1: the wrong cinematic things from universe. This.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's Especially, not a joke either. Like, Barbie takes. Barbie takes so many digs at capitalism, like not so many, but they do dig at capitalism and like corporations in general, and it's just like, Well, let's just keep making money. Well, no, like I mean, it's, it's a, a, a
0: corporate film too. It it does dig at capitalism, but at the same time it is meant to make money, and obviously Mattel's yeah. not gonna try not to. It's
2: like Netflix. It's, yes, it's yes, I, don't game, game. But, I don't even care. I don't even care that they're trying to make money. You that do your job, right? I don't I just don't want them to try to push a double feature unnaturally. Like this oh, kid they was will. The bar I know the Barbie and Oppenheimer thing was just so natural. It was just so uh, like homegrown the collective. The, yeah, it was homegrown collective. but Everybody's like, "This is funny that both these movies coming out on the same day. Let's see them together." Right. Oh, yeah. just so you're because just- like
4: you're not excited for Exorcist Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants four. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that you one know, Dylan, maybe might has have some legs to it. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, they got that
1: the we'll pants for it. those legs too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it obviously has helped because the movies are so polar polarizing. They're so different, right? You've got Barbie, and then you've got Oppenheimer, and it's just like it wouldn't have worked nearly as well if the movies weren't in such contrast to one another. Um, right. But I think that's my hugest takeaway from The weekend too, is just like this is the first time in literally as, as far as I can remember, as long as I can remember, that going to theaters was like an event. And I, I was, I'm not a Marvel guy. I'm sure you all felt similarly at Endgame and Infinity yeah. War. And those are the only things that I can even imagine having the same weight as this. Like this was a thing that people on Facebook and Twitter that you're not, you know, the high schoolers that you are, well, the people that you went to high school with that you're not really friends with, you're just acquaintances, but you never see them post. And then, oh, they're at, they're at Barbenheimer this weekend. And it's just like, everyone's doing it. Everyone's dressing up in pink or, or tuxedos and suits and whatnot. And it's just like, it's crazy. Like. It's exciting to see this kind of energy back in a cinema again, in my opinion. Right.
1: It's been a while since I've seen anything like this. Like the Star Wars movies, people would dress up. I remember at the last Harry Potter movie, people went dressed up.
0: Yeah, like, Harry Potter's a good shout too. Uh,
1: especially post COVID. Like there hasn't been mm-hmm. anything in the theaters like this at all.
2: Right. And I, I used to do a lot of like midnight premieres uh, when I was in my early 20s. Like every every movie that came out. Uh, that me and my friends were interested, we would go to the midnight premiere. Marvel movies, comedies, dramas, it didn't matter. And besides, I think Endgame is truly the only thing that can stand up to this. And they still have a little bit of a different feel because Marvel movies are still very niche where it seemed like, even though both Oppenheimer and Barbie are niche movies and have a niche audience, everybody was so in on them together. Whereas like, if you didn't care about Marvel, you didn't care about going to see Endgame. Well, if you didn't care about Barbie, you were seeing Barbie, and right? Just because, like, so it felt even bigger than Endgame, and I—I I mean, I'm sure money, monetarily it doesn't hold a candle, but I, yeah, yeah, I haven't done the research that.
0: on that. I do think yeah. it, it kind of goes hand in hand with just what you just said. But the last bullet point I have here is that, like, Barbie in particular is a movie that drew in a audience that is historically underserved. That being women, for the most part, right? Like, there aren't very many. Big budget films that are made with women in mind, like that's not that's not going to be a draw to the theater. And I know plenty of people whose friends and and my friends on Facebook and whatever were going to these movies. And Barbie in particular, that they haven't gone to the movie theater in years, (laughs) and this was enough Mm -hmm. to bring them in. It's it's a big time movie with an excellent director and a crap ton of marketing for an audience that doesn't typically get that. So I thought that was really cool.
4: I will say the only other like the last time I felt like this post covid uh, in terms of like it's just everywhere. Like you even if you haven't seen it yet, you want to make sure you're not online uh, is far from home, which was like the big.
1: Oh, yeah.
4: Spider-Man event. Um, And like feeling the camaraderie in a movie theater, even as you leave or as you walk in, like. But I've never felt that way about two films at the same time, uh, ever. I don't think, and I don't know how often that has ever occurred. Right. If it's ever yeah. been a thing, the
1: only thing I can think of that's like sort of close to this is uh, when Animal Crossing on the Nintendo Switch came out the same day that Doom came out, um, and there was a little bit of that same like feel, and people like making uh, jokes and posting memes about the characters, right. the other person's like mm-hmm. place. But it was still, I mean, nowhere near the scope that Barbenheimer.
4: Was. Right. And Nerd. <laughs> what? That's why you're not on the team.
1: <laughs> we're on a podcast about board games.
2: <laughs> no, we're not. It's about movies right now. Movies and board games. And all the spaces in between. So it's cool. One thing I really appreciate about Barbie and Oppenheimer being released, and this becoming a thing, really, is that so many men saw Barbie when they probably wouldn't have without Oppenheimer. Um, and I think, I think it's a movie that was like, I don't even think it was like just marketed towards women. It was just marketed as a fun film. And I think women would have gone and seen it and they would have loved it. And the message really should be told to men. And we're going to get into more of what the movie does, but like, I think men need to see this. I think the world would be a better place if more men saw it and understood and tried to empathize with what uh, is going on in America and across the world. And so, especially I re-
4: with Porky.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, exa- that's exactly the point. <laughs> poor that's
4: just, the,
2: the men are treated so poorly in Barbie Land. I just can't. <laughs> uh, so I and I we mentioned this a little bit, but like together they just exploded themselves. Like Barbie mm. would have been as good. But it would have been slower. Oppenheimer would have been as good, but it would have been slower. But together, they fed off each other and they just created something mm. so special. Like um, atoms reacting with other atoms. Oh, uh, that like, forms like a bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, a box office yeah, bomb. Yeah, I just. I. Oh, wait, no. This wasn't I, a bomb. It exceeded my bomb. expectations.
0: Yeah, a couple more statistics that I just found. Uh, uh, who knows how credible the direct.com is, but. 65% of Barbie's audience was female and 81% were younger than 35. Um, it's also the biggest opening for a movie without IMAX, which beat Twilight Saga, New Moon, the oh, biggest finally. opening for a toy based film, beat that? the highest opening for a non-sequel. It's the highest opening weekend for a non-sequel remake or superhero movie ever. Yeah, just some crazy stats that it's broken. And I think it definitely deserves it. We'll get into more about the movie later, but I think uh, this weekend was cool. And I think it is is an awesome thing that this happened. And much like Kyle said, they're going to try and replicate it and they are going to fail. They're going to take away everything except for the one thing that they need to take away, which is just make good movies uh, right. and let things happen organically. Yeah, because, because they it's didn't... not going to be organic and it's going to suck.
1: Yeah, they didn't do Barbenheimer like we Correct. did the internet did we took this thing and we're like hey we're going to make this a thing and it was just like a happy mm-hmm. accident that they like profited from but if they try yep. to do it it's going to be cringy and everyone's going to hate it
0: totally agreed all right are we ready to talk oppenheimer we're going to talk at the order that we saw it so we're going to do oppenheimer first and then barbie second we will have spoiler free thoughts and i will put Uh, timestamps in the show notes so if you only want to hear the spoiler free stuff you can see when to skip ahead and get the barbie spoiler free stuff as well but make sure you are aware of that we will say when we get into spoilers so we'll keep it spoiler free until then first and foremost what is oppenheimer if you aren't aware it's a biographical thriller diving into the life and mind of robert oppenheimer who was pivotal in the creation of the atomic bomb and it's a character study on a brilliant but flawed man. You could say a lot more about it, but that is a two-sentence description for what Oppenheimer is. This is, of course, directed by uh, Christopher Nolan. It stars Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer. A lot of star power in this movie, though, with A-listers everywhere that have very few lines. It almost felt like a Wes Anderson <laughs> in that sense, where like it did. They have like four lines. You're like, wait a minute, you got that guy to show up for four lines? At Josh Peck, yeah. Rami malik where was he? <laughs> so many things. We'll, we'll talk more about it later. But let's get into spoiler-free thoughts. Doolin, what do you have to say about oh, Oppenheimer? No. You do you not want to start?
4: No, uh, uh, somebody else. Okay. Start. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you want me to start, that or way. do you want to just kind of sure? Okay. Spoiler-free thoughts and generic, how do you like it on Oppenheimer? First and foremost, I really dug it. I thought it was great. It's also a movie that's grown on me the more that I've thought about it, and one that I cannot wait to get a second viewing of, even if it's going to be alone, since none of you all would go with me to see 70mm IMAX in Indianapolis. Uh, I do think it's quite different from what we're seeing, or used to seeing from Nolan. Um, This is kind of like the most character study film he's done, um, it's less bombastic, which is, you know, pun intended. There are certainly scenes and instances where pretty it is. Sure they call him Mr. Bombastic. Yeah, <laughs> there are certainly scenes and instances where it is turned up, but it's it's. A lot of people have questioned whether IMAX did Oppenheimer justice or vice versa, and I think it absolutely did. Of course, I'm excited even more so to see it in 70 millimeter, but like it did it in a weird way. Like, when you see Interstellar, and I didn't see this in IMAX, but I can I can think what it looks like because of what I see on my TV at home. But, like, you've got, like, the vast space, which just gives you such a, a romantic view of what that looks like. And in Oppenheimer, it's used effectively but differently in that you're shown these insane close-ups of people, typically just Oppenheimer, closer than the human eye is used to. We don't get up in each other's faces like that when we're talking to one another, but they have Oppenheimer, like his face is just front and center, taking up the entire screen and you're, you're able to read his like genuinely very effective, like micro movements that give away like his feelings and what he's, what he's going through at the time. So I thought that it was, it was great in that sense. Um, and it's a it's a movie that's a lot of dialogue and a lot of men in small rooms talking. So, you know, if you're not in for a dialogue-filled movie, this might not be for you, but I think it's done really really well. And uh, I think that's oh, the score is great. Score is fantastic. Acting's great cross the board. Couple things I want to say more when we get into
2: spoilers, but I'll leave it till then. Yeah, I think the IMAX I think uh the speakers there like the sound Absolutely. is like going throughout the entire the sound was just incredible to me i know danielle said she thought it was too loud mm-hmm. um but the music is just constantly going the score is just constantly going throughout the whole movie over the dialogue and it really sets the tone well mm-hmm. um and you're right like i didn't really even think about this watching the movie but it is it is very very heavy dialogue and i think uh nolan does his nolany thing where he messes with time a little bit in terms of like He does not do uh, linear storytelling. So he Mm -hmm. jumps from here and there. And I think that provides some of the action in it um, because it keeps your mind going like, oh, where are we at now? Where are we at now? Um, And then he also plays with the color, which we'll get into more uh, in a little bit. I'm sure with some scenes being in color, some scenes being in black and white. I really loved Oppenheimer. Um, I love the acting. I love the dialogue. Like you said, Max, I think this was probably the best written Nolan movie he tends not to develop his characters very well. Uh, I think he did a good, very good job uh, this uh, with this one. Um, and I still yeah, think there are some w-
0: misses, but we'll talk about that in spoiler. I'm interested to see who you say. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
2: but yeah, I I adore this movie, and it was three hours. And yeah, it was there was some boring parts, and it was long, and I didn't care at all. And I cannot wait to to rewatch. I will watch this. I bet I rewatch this movie pretty consistently. I yeah. would say I watch this at least once or twice a year, every year.
0: Yeah. I'm stoked to go see it in theaters again.
2: Um, I I really
1: enjoyed it. I initially rated it four and a half stars, and I'm sort of just like us talking about it right now, thinking about it. I'm really leaning more towards five, uh, but I don't know. I might go change. I might not. Um, I haven't seen a lot of uh, biopics. Uh, I think Tetris is like the only one that I've seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, good movie. But this one, uh, it was really good and. I think because of like the nature of knowing, you know, that it's about a man who's developing a bomb that will exist and eventually do devastating things that it's almost like a thriller as you're getting closer to it. It all, Like I had those same feelings of like, I don't know, like a big feeling of anxiety, but like anticipation, because, you know, from the beginning that it's eventually building to that. And that kept me gripped throughout the entire thing.
4: Yeah, agreed to not try to touch on what you guys have said, like on top of everything else. I, I enjoyed this film. Uh, It's not my favorite Nolan film for sure, but it is, uh, it is up there. I think I, uh, when we were ranking them the other day, it was like four or five far, far exceeded my expectations about a film for a person who is in history where I, uh, if you had told me like most of the movie was about people sitting around talking about science, I would have been like, oh, man, uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to be bored. Uh, but I wasn't. And um, I I had some qualms with how long the movie was. There were parts of it that felt like it dragged and I felt like it could have been cut. But like all in all, the movie was really, really good. And I think Josh pointed out something that is really important for me, at least, which is you know there there are some things said that I'm I, we'll get into in, with spoilers but like you know we knew what happens in the end but like the tension through the score and through the dialogue and through the what ifs of science made the made everything uh leading up to the bomb de- being developed really really scary uh and like uh you you have that uh feeling in the pit of your stomach of is is this going to work out? Of course it works out because in history it works out, but is it going to work out right here? (laughs) And you don't know. And, uh, but no great film. Uh, again, I think just for me and maybe I'm just a, a, a person who can't sit still long enough, but like, I think that there were parts that could have been cut to make this a little bit shorter, uh, to make it absolutely perfect in my mind, but it was still really, really good. Yeah, I never felt, I never really felt the runtime,
0: except for the fact that I had to pee like three times uh, in the <laughs> middle of it, and I don't know why, I even prepped by not drinking much, but it, I, I said it there, like watching a movie is like playing hide and seek, where I just sit down in the theater yeah, yeah. and it's like, I gotta pee, and like I have no reason why, <laughs> but uh, other than that, like I, I really never felt the length, there there are games or there are movies that I've watched where like it it, it drones on and it drags, and I'm looking at my phone like, Okay. When, when, how much longer do we have in this? Um, and I never felt that in Oppenheimer, which is interesting because um, it is mostly dialogue and much like Doolin or both Doolin and Josh said, it's a story like we ultimately know how it concludes. Like we ultimately know what's going to happen, but he still strings you along, Nolan being him, uh, still, he's him, still strings you along in an interesting enough way that like it kept me gripped and it kept me staring at the screen ready to see what happens next. Um, despite its runtime, that let's not say you're wrong. I've seen a lot of people that say that it was too long, or that there were certain entire thirds of the movie that they wish were cut, which we'll get more into in the spoiler section. But I, I mm-hmm. loved it. Definitely excited to see it again. Um, pivoting this into my follow up before we get into spoiler talk, I figure people might want to know before we get into spoiler talk. Does this earn a spot on what I'm going to just say your Christopher Nolan Mount Rushmore? So I guess top four. Mm. Um. <laughs> For me the answer is yes but with a question mark at the end because I've seen not enough like it, I this is really an unconfident statement where I don't have the um I don't have the knowledge of Nolan's other filmography to back this up. Um I don't know where it sits right now probably it's probably under Interstellar and above Tenet. And I'm not sure where Dunkirk sits in, which I just watched right before this. And there's I'm not sure where The Dark Knight sits because it's been years since I've seen it. So for me, yeah, sure. They don't spot, but it means basically nothing. Come back to me when I've seen the rest of Nolan's filmography, which I'm going to attempt to do
2: shortly. It's my number one Nolan movie. I think it's the tightest written. I think it has the least amount of flaws. Um, I... Saw Interstellar uh just last month and that was my number one previously. Um so it had short lived throne. There are just more nitpicks for Interstellar, which I I don't have very many, but people can nitpick and I'm like, oh yeah, that's fair. I don't see it with Oppenheimer really. I think it's a perfect movie. Um it's my number one. So yeah, it, it makes them out rush more, just barely. Just barely.
5: <laughs> Doolin. <laughs>
2: um
4: okay, I'm gonna fill it out. And I'm going to do it differently than than you said, uh, where it's just top four because it is it's number four for me. Well, we are going to um, do, do if a full I'm
0: Nolan out, ranking episode here in the coming months. So I more no, I'm got thinking, thinking
4: I'm thinking Rushmore, though, sure. if I'm 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 being awful and stealing Native American land oh and gosh. carving into mountains. Speaking of Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean Los Alamos um, was off stolen Native American land. Yeah, so, so he tried to get it back. It should naturally be. and uh, No, uh, I would say number one founding father has to be Memento, just because like that's his like one of his first like really big ones and his timey wimey introduction. Two, uh, Dark Knight because it's his. uh He like founded the. I'm I'm gonna say. Uh, I know this is subjective. He founded the like uh, modern. Uh, superhero movie like like with that like getting people excited about him um, and then I kind of want to put it here because it's like he did a serious historical film and so like I think if you're actually looking at like what are his most important films it might naturally come up um, but if I want to put just my favorites there it would be prestige and interstellar but uh, I would I would say if I am doing a Mount Rushmore I would put it next and then lastly prestige just because i love prestige so much okay josh
1: uh it would be those exact four um i don't know which order i would put them in uh or it doesn't matter yeah but those four are on my mount rushmore also x-men and spider-man the ones that i said a modern superhero but you know that's neither here nor there um but yeah the same four that
0: you said mm. <laughs> I, I think i think nolan uh i'm not even i mean i get i might end up being a nolan stan who knows but i think i think dark knight probably you know was the cookie cutter that people then tried over to over sam raimi
1: spider-man
0: yeah i think so
2: i you, I agree with josh if you look honestly. at if you
0: look at modern movies though i i mean i love the the sam raimi spider-mans i very much enjoyed them i don't know if i've seen all three but i very much enjoy them but like if you look at a modern superhero film which does it share more of its bones with, in my opinion? Like, which do Sam you Brady see more out of it? Spider Man. I disagree, but I'm, the not, Dark I'm Knight not a Spider Man. It's just Heath Ledger being awesome. I don't entirely disagree with that, but I also don't entirely agree with that. It's my staple. Well,
1: what superhero movies are you watching, <laughs> Max? Perfect.
0: It's great. Uh, not many. I, I just like said the Dark that. Knight. It's in my talk. Top- oh, it's no, no Dark Knight Mount is incredible. The Dark
2: Knight's talking about Rushmore. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, his other two is like. I mean, Batman Begins. I love and, Batman Begins. Batman Begins I, and Rises are my bottom two Nolan movies. So. Oh, yeah, Rises
0: apparently sucks, but I've never seen it. But he was just trying to get out of the superhero game,
2: which
4: is fair. <laughs> he was just you
2: blowing think, a hole in his
0: own ship, which
4: is why he did Man of Steel. Oh crap! I forgot to put Man of Steel in my rankings. He didn't do that Man of Steel.
2: That's Zack Snyder. That was Zack Snyder. He, he didn't. Oh, I'm. Wait, what? Zack Snyder. You guys literally talked Snyder about cut? it on the yeah. podcast man of steel we yes. did talk about that on the podcast. Snyder and yeah. nolan yeah yeah nolan would never okay. put his name on that crap
0: anyways right. do you think greta gerwig is pulling a christopher nolan with the sense that like she made two of like her own movies that she wanted to make and then found an ip to kind of rocket her into the stratosphere of like a top director much like he did with the dark knight and then will regret it and try and get out of it after the narnia films much like he did with batman begins and uh the Dark Knight rises and then go on to a successful career.
2: Uh, I mean, I think she's gonna be a very successful director. So. <laughs> well, she's already yeah, I mean that's <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's done I think she will dusted. continue to be I will she will continue to be a very successful.
0: I'm not a big director. Narnia guy, but I am curious to see what she does with it because Greta Gerwig is like every film I've seen from her is four and a half or greater. Which is spoilers to my thoughts on Barbie. But uh, moving on to our spoiler talk of Oppenheimer so if you don't want to know any spoilers please look in the show notes I will put the timestamp that you can skip ahead to I am repeating it again in case you are driving and not paying enough attention this is a spoiler section we are about to start talking Oppenheimer spoilers pause it find the next show notes where you can move along and skip this we're gonna spoil (laughs) history it's in a book American Prometheus you can read it all right spoiler it's time for the spoiler talk i don't know how we want to do this necessarily i have no idea i know it's a three-hour film <laughs> i can't I
4: believe he built the bomb
2: <laughs> i can't, believe, I can't it believe the bomb blew up with an hour left
4: oh that uh, that's something we have to talk
2: about well, okay, yeah, let's, it, let's not let's jump
4: into there.
0: no let's not jump into let's, that that's the the last of the part of the movie why you want to start our that's the most spoiler part of the movie. <laughs> it's all spoilers. We're going to spoil the whole thing. I mean, not really, but I mean, if that's where okay. you think is the best spot Intro. to start, that's you where we can Killing start. Murphy. Intro. You see Intrim. you see puddles and rain falling. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to like like subtitle it for for
2: the heart of hearing the entire time. I couldn't believe it's not that butter. the bomb went off and there was still an hour left in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that choice. Mm-hmm. Um and I think, I'm going to be interested in what Dolan says the most about that choice, because I think he was the lowest on us. Uh, he still liked it, I know he was the lowest. Um, I think a lot of people had a problem with that choice, because they thought like the, the last... Four time. out of five. Yeah, he is like, yeah,
5: this movie?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, it's so funny how, like, everybody knew what happened with the bomb. They knew it was a success. So you can't make that the climax. The real climax was what happened with him and Strauss, right? And Mm-hmm. Even though those those were pretty small stakes comparatively. They were still stakes that not a lot of people knew the story of, and uh, played a big part in still like the development of the American history, right? Uh so that's something where it's like I was baffled at the time of that happening, but I, upon like looking back on the movie, I really enjoyed that choice. Um, and so what, Dolan? What did you think about the bomb going off and there still being an hour left? So.
4: So I'm gonna say something completely different than what I've been reading online, which which with the argument of their are like it's too long, it could have been cut around. I think the last hour is my favorite part because it has the most meaning. It has like it, it's dramatic. It's a part of history that I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen to him in that trial. I didn't know um, what was going to happen in the modern part with Strauss's trial, and um, like it's the most thought-provoking for sure because this man who spoilers who develop help basically was the mind behind the atomic bomb immediately after the war becomes very anti-atomic bomb even even towards the end of development there's those moments where they're like people are considering going on strike and not not helping anymore because they're like japan's going to like surrender germany is already surrendered why would we continue to help them develop this if they're just going to use it and he like continues his stance of we have to do this we have to do this they're confident that japan's not going to surrender we have to do this and then when he does it he finally like i think the biggest point of that movie and then what you write on the rest of the point the rest of the time is when he's giving his speech and he starts to like in the middle of saying these really patriotic things with America flag behind him, like starts to understand the weight of, I've just helped kill thousands of innocent people, uh, hundreds of thousands. Um, and, and in fact, not only that, but there are going to be more bombs developed and those will be dropped on people. And, um, I I don't know. I think that part was the strongest. I think if I'm arguing which part is the least strong, it's the first half to two thirds where like I loved those parts, but they they definitely felt bloated Um, and everything leading up to the bomb being dropped feels a little bloated. And then everything after that is just like I'm I'm in. I'm in on this conflict. I'm in on whatever is happening. I don't know if you guys agree with that or
2: not, but. Uh, sorry to bring it back to me, but um, I guess I disagree a little bit. Like I understand it at the time and uh, your feelings are your feelings, but I do think those were purposeful choices to show that stuff because it showed his uh, relationships with the communist party, which is a huge part of the last third. Like you have to know that. Um, And it shows his relationship with two different women. um, And that goes into, I kind of what I want to talk about between like uh, Blunt and Pew and like how like, blunt was always like tidied up, always uh, dressed, um, and Pew wasn't, and I think that kind of just showed like how open he was with that character, and like while those characters were probably the the weaker part of it, like I still think it was very purposeful to see him as a character and know who Oppenheimer was as a whole. Yeah, so I'm, I guess I'm interested what like Max and Josh have to say about about that part, the first two thirds, and like, do you think it was bloated?
1: Uh, First, I want to say, did you see that um, in other countries, they CGI'd a black dress onto Florence Pugh during some of
5: those scenes? Oh, my God. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: That's insane. It's so silly.
5: Go
0: ahead, Josh.
1: Oh, that's what I wanted to say. (laughs)
4: <laughs> oh well kyle asked for your so opinions answer, too. is the first two-thirds bloated josh said did you know that they CGI see <laughs> <in Florence> <laughs> well so so i i do
1: agree that like it's
0: is that the one note you have in your google doc it's like uh, cgi dress Pew no nude no mo. <laughs>
5: um,
0: so
1: the first uh, two thirds, I do feel like I'm never gonna get through this.
4: Hey, hey, Doolin, was the lines at Disney too long? I had a really good Dole Whip there. Yeah, but what about the lines? No, that's all I wanted to say. <laughs>
5: Are,
1: are we good what a treat for
2: the spoiler people <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the okay. kind of entertainment that, you can only, that can only be found at board game, oh, box, board office. game box
0: office <laughs> <laughs> you were about to say about the first two thirds
1: yeah I mean it, it definitely is the slowest part it takes a long time to get from Oppenheimer the student to Oppenheimer the head of the Manhattan Project and, I mean, there is the stuff you have to learn about, like, the communist um, relations and all that stuff. And, I don't know, that that whole storyline, I think, is the thing that hit the least for me. I wasn't even really, like, I feel like it was maybe, like, a third or half of the movie before I realized that that was actually, like, an important part of what was happening. Like, the middle timeline, like, with him... uh post-bomb um, talking about the H-bomb with Strauss and all that. And I don't know. I wasn't as into that part. But, um, I mean, I'm not someone who thought that the runtime was, like, agonizing in general. Like, it was a long movie. And sometimes that um, that isn't, doesn't hit for me. But in this one in particular, I didn't really mind it.
0: Yeah, I definitely... Uh, don't agree that the First third or two thirds were like Overly bloated they are long Like literally long because it Takes quite a while but I didn't I never once felt that like This is unnecessary information Or why am I being Showed this um, and I think it's Important to and, and again this is not To say that you must agree with everything The director does but I think it's important For critiquing movies in general To assume that Every single thing that's on screen, the everything that's done, is with intent. That nothing Especially just like directors. yeah, nothing is just there because they didn't know what to do with it, so they put it there. um And again, I want to clarify that's not to say you have to agree with it. It's very fine if you're just like yeah, well that was his intent, but it didn't work for me. That cool, that's fine. Oh, for sure. But like, I do think it's important to know that like. Nolan put that there for a reason like he felt like that oh, was yeah. very important to tell his story with um, and I would I would line with him I would tend to agree with that um, I I didn't have a third or an act that really stuck out for me as something that was lesser than uh, I think a lot of people are saying that the the latter third is just where it loses its momentum um, and I don't agree but I also disagree. like courtroom stuff I like that kind yeah, of back insane. and forth. Uh, but I think a lot of people got to the end of the Trinity test and they were just like, that's the culmination. Like, where do you go from here? And then it just didn't go where they wanted it to go. And it had out. another hour left of talking and stuff yeah. like
2: that. See, I disagree with that. Like, if you want to you if like Dolan says, like, the first two thirds was like a little slow, and a little bloated. Like, yeah, OK, I understand where you're coming from. To say the last third, it like falls off. That's. I don't know that's unfounded to me that just seems like you're like just in it to watch the bomb yeah well and I think (laughs) that's where a lot of people
0: are though unfortunately yeah and and you know they're they're fine to have that opinion but I think a lot of people didn't care for the courtroom drama they didn't care for like everything that happened after that which I still think that the entire latter third sure it's a courtroom drama but at the same time you're also uh, getting into the mind of Oppenheimer more and, and yeah like the regrets that he's having. Um, and I I do want to talk more about that later. I don't want to jump into deeper dives into the latter third quite just yet, but I thought the, the first thirds, two thirds. Great. I thought the attachment to his like more liberal side and more the communist party, though he wasn't a member, like is necessary. Uh, I think that his relationship with Pew, um, was with Jean was a, a good thing to show. I do think, and this is kind of what I mentioned when we talked earlier, Kyle, about some underserved roles. I, again, unfortunately think, and I, before, I, I want to have a defense of this, too. I do, unfortunately, think that Nolan underserved his women roles again, um, yeah. unfortunately. And you would think him, I of all people, for, knew- would know that like that is a critique people have for him. So maybe he should step it up this time. I think Blunt in particular gets a couple real shining moments towards the end that redeem her almost entirely. Oh, yeah. But for the vast majority of the runtime, she is a flustered mother, and that is it. And she was a scientist in real life that had like was an important role and knew lots of things and you wouldn't get that from watching the movie. You oh, get not that at she's all. a yeah,
2: that's frustrating. Yeah, I did not you know get that. You get that
0: she's a flustered mother and that's it. Um and it is a shame because ultimately I would have, she did, Emily Blunt is incredible. She did so good. And with what she was given towards the end in particular, it was amazing, but it was just underserved. Like, does this movie pass in this, is whatever, but does it pass the Bechtel test? I'm not so sure it does. The two women that have any sort of semblance of a prominent role in this film are served as like a plot device, a sexual object for Oppenheimer. That said, I do want to defend it to an extent. This is not to say that
2: Nolan gets a pass oh, on everything I, he does. Can I jump in sure. real quick? Sorry. I, I, uh, I wouldn't call Florence Pugh a sexual object. Well, she's important. I don't think important. that was her role at all. She's
0: important. Her role is the communist, right? Like, her role is to give him a tie-in to being a part of the communist party.
2: I think her, well, I think her role is that was Oppenheimer's true love.
0: Hmm. I don't know if I'd agree with that. Now, maybe I'm wrong. If that's like factual or something,
2: but that I didn't get that from. No, the I, I don't. I don't think he hmm. didn't love Emily Blunt's character. Uh, I think Kitty Oppenheimer. I don't think he didn't love her. I think he loved Florence Pugh's character more.
0: I think Oppenheimer didn't I, love
4: either of them. <laughs> I was going to say I think that she and, I mean, she kind of was the show in for all of the women that he might have slept with because he was known as a womanizer. And like, there was even a point where they were like, Oh, you also slept with his wife. Yeah. And so he's going to testify against you. Like, like we didn't even see every, every, there were were hints at it. He slept with. And him being mean to Jackie, which
0: was his brother's girlfriend at the beginning too. Like, yeah. And ultimately that's my defense of Nolan is that this is a subjective movie in the eyes of Oppenheimer. And Oppenheimer, mm. Oppenheimer is known to be a womanizer. So the fact that the women didn't get stellar screen time is kind of defensible because it's I, subjective I in the eyes of him defense. in Oppenheimer. So like it makes sense that he didn't he didn't care for that. Like he was a man that cared for meetings with scientific men and pushing forward technology and the bomb. Mm. That is where his eyes lie. I don't think he loved Gene. I didn't get that personally i think it was ultimately just a they're there to be there i don't have much care for them is what i kind of got from it personally
4: i i think and and to go back to what you were saying like uh with nolan intentionally throwing in like he's a dude who pays so much attention to everything that he throws into things i think it what I learned from this is that he really likes Oppenheimer <laughs> as, a, as a person, uh, or like at least likes knowing a lot about it, him He's and fascinated it, 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 it showed in two ways with like, it, I think not only were the women underutilized, but I think that there was just a all-star cast where they were characters in there that I was like, Oh, this guy's a great actor. And it was like, Hmm, He was in there for like two seconds and then he's gone. And I think that I think that there were if I'm if again, only one star off from five. Uh, If I'm picking at like trying to pick nit picnics, which is this is what is this is the place to do it. Um, It's that there was maybe too much and not enough screen time for everything that he wanted. While at the same time being too many things all at once. And he probably could have picked just a few less um, and given more people screen time.
0: I'm really curious, um, like, when you were, to, if you were to see, like, Asteroid City or something, uh, I'd be very mm. curious to see what you'd say about that because, to me, like, having prominent actors in small roles, it doesn't bother me in the slightest, like... Oh, no,
4: I, I don't want to say that, but, I, but definitely I felt like there were too many characters getting introduced at there were so a I was ton like, wait, of wait, characters. Wait, who is this yeah. Wait, why why is this person here and what are they who who did they and when they say? referenced and them maybe- by
2: name and it's like yeah they're like they're talking about somebody i'm like Wait, who what actor is yeah. playing him i was like were they <laughs> yeah. in yeah. the
1: film earlier is that someone i know
2: <laughs> which is why i have to call them like Horace pugh's character emily blunt's character like i have to like mm-hmm. go i have to go by the actor's name because like i just not could, could not keep up no i can like, even go
0: Sh- i get that entire
2: like i know Strauss, and i'll still call him rdj when we get into him yeah. More. like I-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure um Something that can apply to the entire movie as a whole is something that uh, it's, it happens early, it happens late, whatever. But the atmosphere, the almost horror movie-like atmosphere mm-hmm. that he delivers at certain scenes in this film is incredible, in my opinion. The yeah. The use of sound, of course, this is going to come up in the Trinity test. This is going to come up when we talk about the scenes Following the Trinity test, Trinity test, but throughout the entire film, he's using sound and the lack of sound very emphatically in ways that, like, is very striking in my opinion. Um, makes you hold your breath. Like, there wasn't. A, it's just one of those things that doesn't have anything to do with the screenplay or even the editing, which the editing was incredible. But just the sound and atmosphere that he creates really did it for me like it worked for me and i'm not sure it'll work for everybody but for me i absolutely adored that
1: because you said that i i think that we should touch on the trinity test because the fact that when josh peck presses the button for the bomb it goes silent instead Mm. of immediately exploding that is like the ultimate like tension like oh wait what oh oh mm-hmm. okay
5: mm-hmm.
1: okay and then that silence lasts for like at least 30 seconds maybe a minute plus oh
0: it's so long Yeah, yeah. it's drawn yeah. out it gives you time to like think about what they had to have been thinking at that time like yeah. do we end mm-hmm. the world are we all going to die like there's so many things oh my gosh that are running through their head That, like, I love the fact that time slowed down and it was just the breathing of Oppenheimer's, all you hear. Mm. And it's not what I expected at all, but I thought it was incredibly
4: effective. And then Mm. I loved that scene uh, where they're talking about, like, them betting on whether or not they're going to destroy the world. And Matt Damon's like, wait, 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 wait. So what's the percentage that we might (laughs) destroy the world? It's (laughs) It's not zero.
0: Matt Damon has some genuinely uh, funny moments
4: in this film. I thought he was. Pretty- I don't. I know that I'm. I'm so
2: up his butt, but I loved him <laughs> in this film. He was so good. <laughs> he was. See, he was. if we're talking about supporting actors, I think R. D. J. should win best supporting actor.
0: Yeah, I think so. I don't know that there's any real other standouts uh, from this film for me. In-
2: I think there's. I think there's arguments for Damon
0: yeah i don't know to me i'm with you i think rdj deserves a supporting actor nomination um because he did great now whether he'll win or not who knows but like to me him and killian murphy in particular are the standouts like killian murphy has to be front runner for for lead actor now when killers of flower so. moon comes out and leonardo dicaprio is on screen and plemmons is on screen <laughs> maybe he but already like,
1: got his oscar
0: yeah killian murphy was in my opinion stunning in this film like
2: which he didn't even have to do anything crazy. Like, I know he had the crying scene when uh, Pew kills herself, um, but, like, a lot of it was just so subtle. Like, you like facial tics, mm-hmm. how he presented his dialogue. Oh, my God, I don't know. It was just very subtly driven. He felt so real. Yeah, um, I feel like
0: actors that can do so much while doing so little should be, should be well regarded as above and beyond. Like, the fact that he can convey so much with just, like, literal macro movements in his forehead and stuff, which I'm, I I have to imagine is intentional. Like, he, I'm sure he was attempting to convey thoughts and feelings while staring at an IMAX camera in his face, and it worked for me, and I thought it was fantastic. I thought he was a huge, huge standout from this film, in my opinion. I thought, uh, in particular, since we've already talked about the Trinity test, we, I think that a lot of people expected the bomb to be different like we talked about how nolan talked about how there were no practical effect or there were no cgi in oppenheimer and people were like what he'd really go and blow up a bomb and then we see it and it's like it's really ultimately just a white light like yeah you get the scenes with like the the engrossing fire the all-encompassing fire which is super cool Mm -hmm. but like there is no real true bomb explosion and i think a lot of people might be like not upset but might be a little uh, dulled by that fact because they were expecting something more. But for me in particular, the use of practical effects in Oppenheimer was great. That's part of my favorite... One of my favorite things about most Nolan films is just the lack of CGI. Everything feels like there are real stakes when it's real. When you can't tell that something is green-screened or CGI'd, it just... it, it, It ups the stakes. It ups the ante. It makes everything more important. And for me despite not seeing a big cgi bomb explosion i thought the practical effects both in the trinity test and just everywhere throughout the film uh with like all yeah. the little visions he's saying too were just the incredibly de- well or had. the
2: aging up the yeah aging, the aging up, up of the characters good. oh my yeah. makeup yeah man, they crushed it. makeup
4: and costumes in this were yeah. yeah, completely and hiding gary oldman insane. from us yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> no I- kidding <laughs> <laughs> I, I was stunned when I found out Gary Oldman yeah. was in this film. Also, what a crushing scene,
2: too. Like,
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: It is one of a couple of scenes. That one's so oh good, though. So besides Holy the bomb, cow. I know this is like a note. Besides the bomb, that is my favorite scene. With Gary Oldman?
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And Gary Oldman plays Truman. Get that crybaby yeah, out of here. if you're listening to this <laughs> and didn't know Gary Oldman was in it, he plays Truman. Um, I have another note about the other scene that struck me most. Uh, n- Not necessarily emotionally just like oh Like that's wild Was don't the Gary swear. Oldman scene And then <laughs> the scene where they're Talking about where to drop the bomb oh And the guy's gosh. like oh, oh don't drop God. It there it's beautiful I honeymoon there And you're like holy oh, crap yeah. Like that is how they're making these decisions uh, And it's just like That like Caught my breath for a moment I was like did he just say that Like <laughs> Instantly, I was taken aback. Like, holy yeah. cow! No kidding. At, that Because at first awful. he
1: says like it's a very culturally significant place, and you're like, oh, that's thoughtful. And then he's like, yeah, but we honeymooned there. That's the real reason. And it's like, yeah, oh, way to just.
0: And you're just like, oh my god, that's how little this matters to them. Yeah, um, you're, you're mm-hmm. flippantly
1: talking about where you're going to kill a hundred thousand people.
2: Well, that was a a government a politician, right? That was a government official. I think so, like. The scientists felt like they knew the weight of what they were doing, right? They all felt like what we're doing is going to be very bad. And all the politicians were like, yeah, we'll drop it. And it's like what Matt Damon said, one of Matt Damon's best quotes, I think, was like, hey, we gave them an ace. Mm -hmm. It's up to them on how they play it. So like a lot of the scientists, they did not want to drop it. It was just more of a threat, right? It's like, you guys couldn't do it. We did it the fastest. We will drop it if we have to. And the politicians got that and they're like, yeah, we're dropping it.
0: Well, that's a perfect time to pivot into another thing I wanted to mention. Doolin mentioned this during the spoiler free talk, but um, I think it's really important to to take a, a quick look at this. It's like, I do think that there was obviously regret and remorse on Oppenheimer as well as other scientists for having created the bomb. But at the same time, I don't think it was necessarily the creation of it; more the, the farthering of that. Mm-hmm. Like I think that pretty much, I mean, there was certainly remorse to be had, but for the most part, I think everyone was on board with creating it because it's a, if not if not you, it's me type ordeal. Yeah. Like someone's going to yeah. make this, yeah. And if, if it's we not us, don't, it's the right? Like or the I'd rather yeah. two people have one than only one global power have an atomic bomb. And it's like, we have to make this to, to just be on level footing with someone else and have that threat.
4: What's the line he uses to get his his buddy in there? He's like, I'm I'm a Jew, like, you, like, you know what the Germans are going to do if the Nazis get this because his friend shows up. And he's like, I'm right, not staying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But he says that he, he basically gets him on board. But you're right. Like the real conflict starts. after Right. That. Yeah.
0: Like creating it is a necessity. Or it feels that way but it's the furthering of the creation and use of those bombs where things really start to take turns and, and how
2: they immediately start thinking about the hydrogen bomb yeah like der- yeah in the middle of making the atomic bomb they're like what's what next use hydrogen <laughs> yeah 100 <laughs> like, it's like board gamers wait what's coming out in three years <laughs> i think too
4: though max like i um I was just thinking about this too. Like on top of that we we brought up the fact that a big part of this film right before they finish is that Germany is surrendering. And so like they've been holding to this idea of well if not us they're going to do it, but now Germany's surrendered. So like you can't even use that argument anymore. And so like slowly but surely right before they finish everything ev- their whole argument for doing it in the first place is falling apart but they're also like pushing the boundaries of science and they want to do that. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of internal struggle that happens in that latter third that I just Mm -hmm. love. Um, And, and them discussing it. And like, there's even a moment where he's in the court and uh, they're like, what does it matter? the difference between a hydrogen bomb and atom bomb? Like uh, they're, they're, they both are going to kill thousands. Like you kill, like your bomb killed, hundreds of thousands, like, do you think that we shouldn't have done that? And he, like, he just kind of breaks down because, like, you see, like, all of this internal struggle and they were expecting him to be like, no, I'll defend my, but, like, he, he's fully on board with demonizing himself yeah, at that I point. actually
0: have that written down as a note, so that's a perfect time to pivot into that if that's okay. But, like, Emily yeah. Blunt in particular, her character Kitty, brings up to him that, like, he's not fighting. Like, no one's fighting for him. She's the <laughs> only one. That fights and stands up for him towards the end, and I think it's kind of incredible to look at Oppenheimer because I mean, he didn't fight for himself, and I think ultimately he gave himself up because he felt that's what he deserved. like at this that internal struggle, which is like i'm I deserve this punishment i I am deserving of everything that's happening to me. I don't need to stand up for myself because I shouldn't because I'm getting my just desserts, basically. Another thing that I think is important to mention, uh, especially which comes in, it's, it's in play throughout the whole story, but especially towards the latter third, is the, the use of black and white and color, which Kyle, you mentioned a bit earlier. Um, and I know Nolan talked about it and said that basically when things are in color, it's through the mind of Oppenheimer as a subjective lens. And when things are in black and white, it's through the, the outside perspective and objective lens, basically.
2: Such a cool, such a cool thing to do. Yeah,
0: it's it's what one of the thing. I mean, you know, Nolan likes his timey wimey stuff, and I think his use of color and black and white in this (laughs) is beyond the non-linear storytelling. Is the closest thing you're going to get to something that is like making things confusing and also more make more sense at the same time. Like as long as you know what you're Mm -hmm. looking for, it helps to clarify things.
1: It helps block out certain pieces of the story.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I think that was great. I I loved that, that use of color and black and white, just, just as an entire framing device, kind of
4: showing us what is, what is, and what is, what isn't for lack of a better phrase there. This is not going to, I, I want this to come across as a compliment to Nolan, not as a, like a bad thing, but I sometimes think that he comes up with those things almost first before, like a lot of other things, because like Memento for sure, like there's every single movie I've seen of his. There's like something to indicate, oh, we're about to go back in time or, oh, hey, we're about to go forward in time or, hey, we're about to change perspective here. And like he's really, really, really good right. at that. Um, I, I can't even like I think if I was going to set like the example for others to follow, like I would just say, hey, you should look at Nolan. Yeah. Agreed. I think I i mean, I could talk about this movie a
0: lot more, but I've ran I know, through... I'm worried
2: because we still have to talk about Barbie, oh, and I know. there's so much more I could say.
0: <laughs> I've ran through all of my bullet points that I had that I specifically wanted to hit. Obviously, I'm happy to talk more. This is obviously going to be a long episode, but you can consume it how you are able to consume it. Don't worry about finishing it all in one fell swoop. But is there anyone else that has anything in particular they want to bring up about Oppenheimer?
2: I'm good. I think we t- we hit on the major stuff. I feel good about what we did.
0: So we just wanted to pick a single scene or two, whatever, that are your favorites. I, I We haven't discussed this, so we might have similar ones. Um, but does anyone want to start, or do you want me to ring it in? I can start. Okay.
1: So just don't mine, take mine. My favorite scene is actually one that Doolin brought up earlier. And it's the scene where he is like, it's right after the bomb with, and he's going and telling people about it. And he's trying to be all patriotic, but he's just being hit with the PTSD of what uh, happened. And you're basically like, they never show the bomb drop in Japan, but you're basically seeing the effects of what that would do to people through his PTSD at that moment. Mm -hmm. And, the people that are like cheering on the bleachers, he's hearing that noise and he's feeling like the pressure of like what the bomb would be there. And like, I personally have had the unique experience of visiting the Hiroshima Memorial and seeing images of what happened there and watching like the footage that does exist in pictures. And it's very like, it was very haunting um, and very humbling to be an American there. So uh, after experiencing that and watching this scene and seeing this familiar imagery, both me and Aaron we both teared up, like actually cried in that scene because it was it was kind of hard to watch.
2: Uh, Josh, yeah, I I think it's a I think it's a uh, very interesting uh, for you to have that perspective. I was going to ask you how do you think this movie will be received in Japan. Oh, I was going to say like.
1: The anything in this movie that was like anti-Japan was presented in a negative light, you know, like the uh, the the president being like, oh, yeah, we did drop one on Nagasaki too," like saying things just flippantly and like mispronouncing. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's like it, he's not being presented as that being the good thing. So, like, right. Fortunately, I don't, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: one thing that you kind of brought up which is this isn't about my favorite scene but i did want to mention it is you mentioned like uh oppenheimer not seeing it unfold and i thought one key point in the movie that we didn't discuss during the spoiler talk was when they dropped the bombs and he found out because of the news and like no one told him there was no there was no conversation like yeah we're doing it Oppie like it just happens and then that's <laughs> that it and like it's really it's it talks about this thing with Albert Einstein talked about this in this film too where it's like you've you've accomplished something for them and now you are thrown to the side like you aren't important anymore you're going to live out your days doing what I'm doing which is i fled the country and live somewhere else and I, they don't care about me anymore And I just found that really interesting um, and a point we didn't didn't have naturally come up, so I wanted to touch on that real quick. But um, yeah, you also stole my favorite scene, which is okay. I'll allow you to have that. But the gymnasium scene uh, was just wild and incredibly cool. The use of sound, the use of editing, even though people have pointed out that there was a mistake because they were using flags with 50 stars and there should have only been 48 at the time, it's still... 0 out of 10 literally
1: unwatchable
0: yeah literally unwatchable seeing like him look and he's obviously well it's
4: from Oppie's perspective and as an old (laughs) person retelling the story maybe he forgot that there was only 48 stars this isn't Amadeus
0: (laughs) though there are lots of comparisons to be made between Strauss and Oppenheimer to Salieri and uh, Amadeus That was crazy. but yeah so that whole scene was just incredible it's the sound design the the world shaking behind him and he's just like sitting there stone-faced yeah um the like blurred perspective
1: behind him
0: right he looks at these people and they're smiling and then the camera cuts back to them a moment later and they're crying or the people under the bleachers melting off yeah and the people under the bleachers that are making out and then they look back to them a split second later and one is consoling the other and they walk outside and someone is vomiting and it's just like all these different things that he's going through and seeing is just crazy and i think that that was conveyed masterfully in my opinion in that scene like i was just in awe of that scene
1: they showed the bomb going off without showing the bomb going
0: off right and i thought they did a great job i will say since you stole my scene i picked a second one because i knew it would happen i figured people like the gymnasium scene um people may say this is like nolan doing nolan or tossing in like silly things that for dramatic effect right but i genuinely did very very much enjoy the ending of the film as they reveal the actual conversation that Oppenheimer had with Einstein, which is like the whole sticking point for Strauss, basically, is, is that like not the entirety of it, but that's where a lot of this animosity comes from. And I really liked just hearing that ending conversation. And it is an absolutely haunting way to end the film with him being like, remember how I said we were going to start a chain reaction to cause the end of the world? I think we did. And, like, the, the movie's just over, and you're like, oh, f-. You're just like, no Don't way. Swear. It's just, ugh. That that ending was like, you know, maybe it was dramatic for the sakes of being dramatic, but for me it worked. And I was like, Oh yeah. dude. I thought it was very brave of Nolan
1: go into space and actually blow up the world to get that last shot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I also really liked the scene with uh with Florence Pugh as they are, you know, mid-coitus and he says, "I have become death destroyer of worlds." That was pretty yeah. sick. Like, that was when I saw that. I thought that was sick. So no, 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 no. <laughs> see, when you see that, you're like, "Pure effing cinema, baby. Like that is Pugh? what this is about." Masterpiece. He actually says that. Oppenheimer actually said that. Well, yeah, that he actually point. said it, but probably not why he was, you yeah. know,
2: no, definitely. When he was with Florence Pugh, <laughs> not the girl. Actually, Florence Pugh. Yeah. I'm sure he does say
0: that, but that was a funny time to use it. It didn't bother me though. Like, I do think people are going to be like, "Wow, what a stupid scene." And for me, I was like, "Nah, I'm cool with it." Like,
2: <laughs> what's a great movie without a little cheese? Yeah, he said I thought thing, it was
0: cool. Uh,
4: I'm cool with it. It almost, it almost felt like an oversight. Like he forgot to throw in his most famous quote, and oh, he was crap. like. Well, let's just film this scene. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> hey, Florence, can you like mid-sex, uh, like just get good up and show. go <laughs> grab a random book and turn to a random page and have him read His it? most
0: iconic line.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite scene, Dylan? I was going to couple it with the, uh, the scene that Josh brought up, but Josh did say that I brought it up first, so I feel good. Um, but I... <sighs> I'll bring up what made this movie great, in my opinion, because at first I like a good halfway through the film. I was like, this is okay. It's not the best, but it's good. Um, But the build up to the bomb just being tested is. Something that I will not forget, like in terms of like of movie scenes for a long time and like the the anticipation, the build up like. I wait in lines all the time. I I waited in plenty at at theme parks. I've waited at in line at the DMV. It's never exciting. Um, but waiting for that bomb and like watching everybody get ready, uh, like the the slathering on of of uh 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 sunscreen yeah, versus. Girlfriend. Yeah. For, well, versus like how everybody reacted differently. Like one dude was like, I got to go outside and watch it for myself or um, other people who were like, I'm going to lift up my glasses and look at it. Um, like, I, I don't know. It, it, all of that was cool. And then I I want to couple that with the fact that the movie just like puts the pedal to the metal from that point on, because as soon as that's over, he delivers a speech. He starts to feel bad. And then guess what? He's literally standing there great scene where the guy who is for the H bomb is across the street mm,
5: mm-hmm. and
4: the two bombs are scene. going by and he's just watching them and then they lock eyes and you, you, I don't know it, it, I that scene, like those three scenes together just made this movie for me. Like it, it was, it, it, it was everything you needed. So I don't know. I loved all of that, but I don't know what you're all sucked.
0: I totally agree with you that those, in particular where they're watching the bombs drive off I thought was yeah, a stunning that scene a, for
2: sure yeah it pulled off perfectly I, I agree
0: this has nothing to do with anyone else's favorite scene and of course we'll move on to Kyle as soon as this is over but Kyle chatted in the, the chat and just said this just makes me want to rewatch Oppenheimer so bad and like I'm 100% man I'm right there with you like just talking about <laughs> it I'm like God I can't wait to see this again like yeah I think as soon as I watched it I was like four and a half real good and then I sat with it and I was like, nah, it's just got to Like, I can't, I don't know how I couldn't not put it up to a five. Like, it's just how I could not put it up to a five. It's just the, yeah, the more I, the more I sit with this movie, the better it gets. But what's your favorite scene, Kyle?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think the bomb scene uh, with, like, Dueling is, is the best. But if I had to go outside of that, um, it is, I mentioned earlier, it's his meeting with uh, Truman. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's a little twofold for me. Like, Truman was like a Yeah. D- Um, mostly, but he was also. (laughs) That's all I swear. (laughs) Swear, Jason. Um, okay, that's fair. Uh, I Truman also was like willing to like he was like, hey, the blame is on me, um, not you. Uh, which I also was like, I I didn't know how to take that. Like, I didn't know if that was him being like, you didn't do anything. Like, this is my thing. Uh, you are not the atomic bomb guy. I'm the atomic bomb guy. Or Or was he just trying to make him feel better? I think it's the fourth one. I don't know. I
1: I, I think it's the first one, especially with how the scene ends.
0: I I think you're supposed to
1: think it's the second one at first and then slowly realize, oh, it's the first one.
0: Yeah, he just wants the credit. That's our talk on Oppenheimer. Obviously, we can't dive into every single thing, but if you want to talk the movie with us, please join the Discord. We'd be happy to do so there. Now, we know we're running long, but that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about Barbie. I do think Barbie will probably be a quicker conversation, not to say that it is a lesser movie by any stretch, but just that I can't imagine we have as much to say about it as we do about Oppenheimer, but First and foremost, what is Barbie? It's a uh, it's a movie about Barbie. Awesome, it is awesome. But it's a movie about Barbie, uh, her struggle with everything as far as she she leaves her perfect world behind, uh, goes to the real world, try to explore, and uh, you know things get crazy and existential dread happens and blah blah blah. But uh, definitely watch it. Super good film. We'll talk more about it here shortly. But spoiler free thoughts. Generic. How do you like it, Doolin? Let's hear from you first.
4: I really liked this. Uh, I laughed so many times. Uh, I thought the I, I don't remember the last time I went to see a comedy uh, in theaters, but like I I loved the experience of being with people and laughing with yeah, people. I agree. 100%. Uh, and oh man, it was such a good like experience to share with people. Um, I don't know it. it i i don't know we can't get into spoilers yet but it's really really good uh and really really funny
2: absolutely kyle uh yeah so i'm with you it's been a while since i've seen a comedy in theaters but like i used to go to all of them uh in the heyday of the comedies like the 2010 uh like the 2004 to 2010 era where it was like anchorman and all of those and like
4: i went to go seth rogan and will ferrell ruled the world
2: yeah and they were just so funny and it was so great to go to the theater because like everybody's dying laughing right like i still remember being in the hangover when uh what's his name oh my gosh the dude from community jumps out of the trunk oh and i i was like i was like on the floor of the movie theater because i was laughing so hard And so it has been a while since I felt like that and Barbie just brought me all the way back. It was so, so funny. Legitimately funny. I knew it was like, I knew it was going to be like a comedy, but I thought it was going to be like, you know, one of those like, ha ha ha, like a few laugh out loud moments. No, it was like literally hilarious the entire time. Um, with some, a ton of touching moments, uh, I teared up a few times. We'll get into that in the spoiler part. Um, but man. I was excited for both of these movies, and both of them blew me away. Uh, Both are 5 out of 5 for me. And yeah, Barbie, fantastic. Fantastic movie. Josh?
1: I think the last comedy I saw in theaters before this was Anchorman 2.
2: (laughs) Um, But But what a great one. Yeah, right,
1: right? Uh, It's a wonder I haven't gone to another. Um <laughs> but I was probably in the camp of people that would not have seen this movie if it wasn't for the meme double feature. Um but I was enamored with the film I from the beginning. Um it's hilarious and I love the like bizarre world they created for the Barbie land and like the way that world operates and the effects and how like it doesn't take itself too seriously, or sometimes it does, oh, so and that's silly. the joke. Yeah. Um, but this sort of bizarreness to it, it just really hit for me, and I really enjoyed the film. Absolutely,
0: yeah, I'm with you. Barbie was incredible. I loved it. A lot a lot more than I expected to, even, and that's saying something because I thought I would love it a lot um uh, as someone who I, let me just ask a quick question: Have either of you ever any of you ever seen a Greta Gerwig film before Barbie no
2: uh, Lady Bird. hold on, you have seen Ladybird Lady Bird? yeah ladybird yeah. and
0: little Women are her two big features that's the only oh, two she's no. done um i've I loved Ladybird, I loved little women. So, like, I knew coming in that I really connected with Gerwig as a director. I also adore Marco Robbie. I love Ryan Gosling. So, like, I genuinely came into this movie with ex- incredibly high expectations. And it still surpassed those. I think that, much like to touch on what you all have said, it is easily the funniest comedy that I've seen in recent memory. And I'm not a huge comedy buff, so, like, maybe give more weight to Kyle's words than to mine when it comes from that. But it is far and away like the most I've laughed, especially in a theater in literally as long as I can remember, probably my whole life. I can't think of a single other instance that would have, uh, got gone to that length that I did with Barbie. I thought it was just absolutely start to finish infectious is how I described it. I think like from literally the moment it starts, I smiled, and other than the breaks where I cried, I don't think that ever went away. Like, I was just happy to be there. I was ecstatic to be watching that film. I thought it was energetic and fun and heartwarming, and uh, we'll get into, you know, spoiler talk, of course, but I just adored this movie. Uh, I don't know that it's going to connect for everyone. I think that a lot of people are bringing their children that are too young to oh really connect gosh. with it, uh, unfortunately. And yeah, I, I don't think you have that. to be it is PG-13. I don't necessarily think you have to be a 13 year old or above to connect with it. But a lot of the comedy is like meta and adult centered. Mm-hmm. And that's not yeah. to say they wouldn't enjoy the movie. I just think a lot's going to go over their heads, which is fine. Something wrong with that. But I think a lot of people, despite the PG-13 ranking rating, have given crap to Barbie because like it wasn't made for kids. And it's like, you should have known. Yeah, it like, was never There's a rating for that. a reason. It was never advertised as a, as a, made for kids movie. They do the whole beach you off thing in the trailer. See, like, that's, yeah. that's
1: the thing. That's the thing. The, the things I've seen people complain about the most are the opening scene with the little girls destroying the dolls, the beach, off oh, which thing, is hilarious. And her talking in yeah. like the existentialism and talking about death, all three in the trailer. Yeah. It's not hard to know that this isn't a movie that's appro- yeah. like not appropriate for maybe like younger kids and like if you're also like,
0: what's wrong with the two thousand one A space odyssey opening or talking about death? Like, do your children not know that death is a thing? Like, I get I mean, it's a so very, beat it's you very off existential
1: thing. movie, so like for yeah, some kids, like, it's like eh, maybe I don't want Barbie to be the one telling them about death. I don't know.
2: I wouldn't really be opposed. They want even. their Disney movies doing it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They, they're their parents fine are dead. Four year old watching <laughs> Simba die. Or not Simba. Dead. Watching Mufasa die. Oh, sorry. I don't want to talk about Lion King too much.
0: Oh, true. I wouldn't even really be opposed to like taking Ellie to this. Like, I don't think she would connect with it, which is why I'm not gonna. Mm. But like, it's not like there are some things that are there that I would not like in love with showing to my five year old. Like, whatever. Like. I just don't think she'd like it, is why I'm not showing it. Not because I think the movie is Satanist and it's not targeted you know, super left-winging and all that crap. It's just like, come on, man. Spoilers talk, Barbie. Here if you want to go into this spoiler-free, again, check the timestamps. But at this point, it's basically going to be the end of the episode once we finish talking about Barbie spoilers. So you may as well just close out now. Don't forget to leave a review on your way out. Spoilers, starting now. Anyone have anything they want to jump in with? I again have bullet points but I don't have anything like concrete that needs to be talked about right away.
2: Okay. Do we want to do you want to do this more linear? I know we jumped into the last third uh, of Oppenheimer. I Did think you linear is like, good. Did you say linear. Linear. It's definitely
0: linear. Linear. <laughs> I think linear? linear is good. I think it makes it easier to follow from a listening perspective, but we kind of just yeah. dove right into Oppenheimer, but I'm fine with doing linear let's, here.
4: Let's start with thoughts When they're still in Barbie world, like any, anything you guys loved about that or thoughts about it?
1: I was basically hooked. The first act, the first act is what sold me on the movie from the opening or not the opening scene, but the the first actual scene in Barbie world where is it, is it Lizzo? Was that a Lizzo song?
0: Lizzo. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Basically like, yeah, pink, basically narrating everything that's happening. And she like jumps off her house, but it's sort of like not a perfect effect. It's like sort of wobbly, like someone's like moving her down. And,
0: yeah, it nails that.
1: Yeah. I, I I love that sort of thing where special effects are like kind of bad on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, that made me laugh uh so much. But that from that scene I was like, oh, okay. I'm in. I'm sold on whatever yeah. this
2: is doing. And the set pieces were so fun in Barbie World because oh, God, it was like yeah. It was so toyish mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. Like it looked like a Barbie world, even though it was like all real life actors. And I like that the uh the actors weren't like trying to be like Barbie and like doing their hands like this or anything like that. Like they were being human. Um and it just went so well with the set set pieces. So like the opening scenes, yeah, you're right. The just the setting of the Barbie world, you just knew like this movie was, was special right off the road.
0: It has to get a nomination or a victory for production design, right? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: I thought they absolutely crushed it. Of course, when you get into the real world, that kind of falls away, but I'd say, you know, 70% of the movie is in Barbie land with these incredible set pieces. Um, So I thought it was great.
1: Uh, We all know what Max has to talk about though. Do we? The first scene.
0: Oh, the 2001 a space odyssey. Yeah. Oh yeah. So good i loved it we all looked you at all you. Looked <laughs> at me. everyone looked down the the row and stared at me um and like the whole time i was like is she gonna do the match cut like like kubrick does in 2001 and she did of course and i was just like ah oh, so good man what a what a fun opening uh i agree with you i think pink was awesome And then, like, I genuinely love the the Dua Lipa song, the Dance the Night Away or whatever. Like, yes, that whole number was just so, like I said, infectious. Like, I was just like vibing. I was like, yeah, like, like, I'm just like, I'm loving it. Like, I was just sitting there, just having a
4: blast watching that scene in Barbie World. I think my favorite part is all of the digs that Mattel. I I don't know if Mattel wrote. Any, like I, I assume they just approved it but all of the digs at like weird things in Barbie world like I really liked uh, how every time uh, it cut to kin at the very beginning he was like no, I, you know, it's a common misconception, but I'm not a lifeguard. My job is beach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I am I'm beach, beach kin, kid. I'm, I'm really at good at it. it. And I'm really good at it. Um, or when they, like, I know this is, like, later on, but when they're back in Barbie world and they're going through the, like, um... The discontinued Barbies. Oh <laughs> where, like, gosh! There's yeah. a Barbie with a TV on her yeah. back. Oh man! <laughs> they're like, what? Why is that? Why was that a thing? Or the dog with the poop? Like oh, man, everybody remembers it. that toy. Uh, but no, I loved all of those little moments that reference like the toys that are, didn't didn't. Yeah, do like as the well discontinued. Or maybe a little bit odd. Midge and uh, what's
0: uh what's Allen? Yeah, and he's is, just Allen. Very interesting. He's Ken's he's buddy, Alan, and, and, and his he's... clothes fit him. Which is what a, a one thing I wanted to mention is I don't think he has a single scene with Ken in the entire movie, right? He beats he's up Ken's a bunch best of best friends. No, he's Ken's well, buddy. Yeah. Okay. He's Ken's buddy, but like, in does he have a scene him. where he like talks with any of the kids like at all?
1: Uh, he fights the construction workers does. and tells them that oh his my clothes fit him.
0: It's so good. <laughs> and also like Michael Sarah is the her picture perfect casting oh yeah <laughs> perfect okay. casting for him like i genuinely think like the movie was great it was hilarious but like it also added to it in the fact that anytime sarah was on screen we just laughed
2: like yeah. <laughs> he didn't oh, do his face. Like, he just comes yeah. on screen and we're dying alan is, is just
0: inherently is so funny. funny his existence it was so the, good hi barbie so hi barbie
1: hi ken. hi ken hi ken hi barbie hi ken yeah. hi alan
0: pause (laughs) (laughs) it's so good so good one of the things that i want i mean there's a lot that i still have to say but to get slightly political before we do other things as Uh someone who has a transgender family member the scene where ryan gosling is kin like professed his love for the transgender barbie which is the, the person is transgender that plays barbie and it wasn't like a joke to me, was very important. Like, I thought that that was very moving. That, like, you would expect in a lot of movies that that would be like a joke that they would the they would line. try and make a punchline mm-hmm. of him getting like like trying to to hang out and uh, flirt is the word I was looking for with with someone who is transgender and that would often be a punchline. And the fact that it was very sincere and true in this, I thought was really uh, it. It meant a lot to me, and I'm sure to many other people as well. So I thought that was an important note to jot down.
2: Well, I think Greta Gerwig hit a lot of uh, solid political notes in this movie.
0: Oh, so. for sure. For sure. I do think that people that are like, oh, it is anti-men are like, did you watch
4: the yeah, same I, movie? I did not walk out. Watch? They I didn't, I didn't they out watch it.
1: Like
0: I didn't feel that way at all.
1: But I, but I haven't watched Ben Shapiro's 50-minute video about it, so maybe he, I'd feel yeah, different.
0: I, I never intend to. No. But, like, <laughs> it's just one of those things. They didn't even <laughs> talk about, like... Like Kin's had it rough too, and
2: that was recognized. Yeah, right. Kin like, had like,
0: a Like that's store, something yeah. that they
2: acknowledge. I mean, like, Margot Robbie, like, went up to Ryan Gosling and like consoled him. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it wasn't like trying to make him feel better or anything. I was like, no, like you just be Ken. One just thing I you. wanna and,
0: specifically mention about the the Margot Robbie Barbie and the Ryan Gosling Kin relationship that I thought was really interesting. I didn't I didn't come up with this myself. This is something that I read and I was like, oh, intentional or not, that's really cool. Is that like obviously the whole time she's like, I don't want you here. Like, get out. It's girls night. Like, it's cool. Like, she doesn't she never wants to hang out with Ken. Every night's girls night. Fine. But I thought I might stay over to do what? I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) (laughs) So like Margot Robbie's Barbie is is throughout the film getting these feelings of existential dread and things like that because America Ferreira's character is like playing with her and her feelings are rubbing off on her. And she's getting like she's drawing some dark drawings about Barbie and uh, uh, cellulite Barbie and things like that, which is where this is all coming into play for Margot Robbie's Barbie. And one thing someone pointed out is that a line that may be missed by many is that when they're in the car, America Ferreira says that she didn't have a kin growing up. And I thought that was really interesting because Margot Mm. Robbie's Barbie is based off America Ferreira's Barbie and she didn't have a kin. It's like. Makes perfect sense that Barbie, that Barbie wouldn't want to hang out with Ken. She never had a Ken. And I just thought that that was a very interesting connection, whether intentional or not. Something I didn't pick up when I watched it. I'm
2: sure it was intentional. And actually, that's like something I really liked and was not expecting is that Margot Robbie's Barbie did not have a love interest. Mm -hmm. I adored that. I did not want this to be a Barbie and Ken rom-com. And so when like Ken was like trying to make advances and try to like be with her, and she was like not he's trying feeling
4: it, her like three times. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, 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 no. And
2: she's just standing <laughs> there staring at him. And he's like, "Cool, <laughs> cool, yeah, yeah." I really appreciated that.
0: <laughs> in the same breath, I think it's important to just say that Margot Robbie, in in particular, Margot Robbie, I think was freaking phenomenal and like really Ooh, yeah, showed. She it her legs as an actress like what she can do i mean i've loved her her feet genuinely her legs too yeah pun intended but like i've loved her from babylon i've loved her from uh oh crap now i can't think of the other movie suicide uh, squad she's well hey (laughs) she's all right (laughs) she's all right wolf of wall street there's another one still that i'm missing that i can't remember oh Oh, birds of prey um but like she's great but (laughs) i thought she did even better in this that like really showed what she can do I thought America Ferrera was awesome. Like I oh, didn't, I love. Her. I expected nothing coming into this film. First speech was. Have said. you oh, seen yeah, Superstore? Yeah. No, uh, I want she, to though. She's I'm great in really Superstore. It's oh, such a funny show. Yeah, and then of course Ryan Gosling was also incredible. I, I mean, among other people, like they're not the only three that did really well. you. Like, they are the three with the most screen time yeah, that deserve the shout-outs. But like, I thought Ryan Gosling was Robic. great too. I fully expect him to get a best actor, a best supporting actor nominee. Um I'll be interested to see. I think this deserves like a best picture nomination. Not necessarily win, I don't know. I know I it's think not it, going
2: to get it though.
0: I think it will. I think it will. I'm going to be optimistic. If something, I mean, it something doesn't have to be universally praised to get a best or best picture nominee like you look at uh, um Jojo Rabbit, which is a great movie by the way, but like not universally loved. It's certainly controversial in many aspects to some right. people. It is. Um Oh yeah, some people do not like Jojo Rabbit.
4: I mean, look at the subject matter. I mean, Shape of Water is also weird in a lot yeah. of people's eyes. I think, I think it, I think it will get a, pub, a, a can
0: best they give picture the nom. best
2: picture to Barbenheimer? They should. Just honestly. as it a saved whole, that would, cinema awesome.
0: that would be awesome. It saved
4: cinema. <laughs> Killian Murphy and Margot Robbie accepted <laughs> yes. at the same time.
0: <laughs> um, and then I'll shut up after I talk about this. I got one more bullet point before we talk about our favorite scene, but uh, we've kind of already mentioned it. But I cried. At least on three separate occasions throughout Barbie, um, and, and I know in particular Danielle was hit pretty hard by the "Mom Stand Still" quote. Um, mom stand still so their mm-hmm. children can look back and see how far they've come, or something like that. And uh, which American Ferre- America Ferrer says, but like, yeah, this movie it it hit a lot of notes for me, including some real high highs and some real emotional ones too, um, which I love. It's a bit that I like movies that make me cry but I genuinely do just like movies that make me feel things and lots of emotions. And this one nailed that for sure. So I'm good. I'm good. I'll jump in, but say whatever you got to say.
1: So I I will, like, we've been very positive. So I'll, I'll be a, a little bit of a Debbie downer for just a little bit. But, the the second act did lose me a little. It's why it's a four instead of a five. Oh, it's egregious. I hate this film. Um, (laughs)
2: Oh, when they started talking about the patriarchy and how... Oh no, just when they leave Barbie world and they're
1: in the real (laughs) and they're in just the regular world because the it's so engaging when you're in the other parts and it's so like like fast and there's all this stuff happening. So like when it kind of slows down and gets to the real world, I was like, this is probably a good time for a pee break.
4: I am really glad that they didn't linger there like we we stayed in the real world just long enough for them to do some stuff and get the- to uh America for and her daughter, and then we were like, "Oh, we're going back and I was like, "Oh okay, okay good, cool. good, good, we're good good going. good. the we're rest here, of the here. film's just gonna be back in Barbie world mm-hmm. like yeah, uh,
2: go ahead, Kyle uh yeah uh, on that point, Dolan is like I'm ecstatic that they got the daughter caught up like right away, like you could mm-hmm. think she was like very bratty and like mean to Barbie at first, and like. They didn't, like, toy around like, you can't (laughs) be Barbie, that's not real, that's not real, they did not waste time on that, they're like, they just immediately accepted it, and they moved on, and I'm so glad that they didn't waste time on, like, because we knew where they were going, like, they were ultimately gonna become, like, buddies, and, like, help each other out, so, like, (laughs) why even, like, mess around with that, in my mind, yeah, get her, get her up to speed, and let's get this movie going, and they did that, and I love that part about it.
1: Uh, She's like, this girl thinks she's Barbie, and then she's like, oh, this girl is Barbie. like that's
0: it yeah i agree that that was the weaker part of the movie but also same like they didn't linger there too long i thought it was fine um i appreciated the uh you're a fascist joke and then she's like i don't control the railways and commerce or something like that (laughs) she's like i thought it was pretty great yeah and then uh i thought that um the line where she's like what am i feeling and then the lady popped up behind her and she was like oh that's just anxiety i feel that way all the time and stuff <laughs> like that like and i think will ferrell was fine too um oh, like yeah. i didn't i didn't like i was not as in love with the real world stuff as i was the barbie land stuff but like it still had me it never lost me personally i know other people have yeah. said the same thing that you'd said josh but for me personally it never Ooh. lost me
4: We'll get to my favorite scene, but it actually is from the movie. Oh, so. interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I better So I know what, what it is. Uh, this, this The scenes that made you cry, uh, Max, I want to see if we're similar. So, the first one is, like, they kind of do, like, an homage to daughters with their mothers. Um, specifically, just, like, I'm trying to think of exactly the context of it. Um, where it was just sort of, like, America for our, like, in her like kind of losing her daughter as she grew up Mm -hmm. that kind of that kind of got me and then the second one is when actually when barbie is like talking to Rhea perlman's character and it's kind of like this like life kind of sucks but there's so many great parts about life that it makes it worth it like you can either live forever in barbie world and everything be perfect or you can be a human and mm. parts will suck and you will die but oh my god it's so worth yeah, it Yeah, that one got me that too. like that crushed me i was like oh man needed to hear that i think i think that's the
4: part too that like really make like you know all of us can watch barbie and be like uh this is really really important for women and for a lot like like giving voice to people who need it but then that part makes it universal right like uh, like Mm -hmm. everybody has felt Mm -hmm. that way like should i keep going can i keep going i don't know what i'm supposed to do next right like because that's what she was like i don't know where i'm supposed to go um Mm -hmm. and i think that that scene is just and then to to, because we're in the spoiler section right yeah that to end it with a like punchline joke of but we're not, we're still not taking ourselves too seriously. <laughs> like yeah. really, the really gynecologist funny trip. with the, yeah, yeah. yeah with, the, with the doctor. Um, that, that was really funny as too. As
0: far as scenes that made me cry, I think there were four that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I cried oh, at, please don't take my favorite. Scene. I cried at the same one that you mentioned with Rita. Um, I thought that was great. I cried about the mom standing still line. Uh, I cried where, and this was, this was just kind of like a single tear, not nearly as an emotional cry, but when she sits down in the real world with the uh, old lady on the park or on like the bench, Frick <laughs>
4: Max, shut
0: up. Okay. This is the
4: problem. You talk about seven, eight scenes and you take all of them.
0: All right, That scene. I'll let Dylan go into more detail later. I'm not going to tell you what it's oh about. That gosh. scene, And then the ending, um, I mean, th- while Billie Eilish's what, was, what Am I Made For, if that's what the title is, I think off the top of my head, was playing, I was just like... That was Billie Eilish? Ugh. Yeah, the final song was Billie Eilish, yeah, What Am I Made For, I think is the name of the title. But yeah, that scene just had me all up in my feels as the ending comes to a conclusion. It was just, ugh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it so much. We saw Barbie second, so we wouldn't be in our feels true that's actually my favorite scene um it's probably just the ending while they're playing that yeah uh so if we want to pivot into that i think that that's what
4: i'm claiming as mine max let's let's talk about it together so my my favorite scene and i'm cheating again because oppenheimer i did this like i had like two or three scenes just together but i think this represents like what all of barbie was um because you have this really emotional scene where she's seeing flashbacks, but at the same time, like, she has just been thrown in jail, right, a bunch of times. Uh, she's just been rejected by the the daughter. I think no, 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 it was before she realized she needed to go to the school. Um, and she's seeing how awful, but also how like great and powerful and awesome women are like around here, even though they're not in charge. Um, and then she has this moment where she looks over at the the old lady and she's like, you're, you're beautiful. And, it, and it's cool because like this whole time she's been worried about growing cellulite or like looking a little bit off. But like, she looks at this older lady who like, like for better or for worse, she's older. She's like, she, she, she has wrinkles. She has like blemishes. She's like, you're beautiful. And the lady's like, she doesn't turn her in and be like, why would you call me beautiful you're the one who's beautiful she's like i am I know. i'm awesome right and i know and like i love that like i love that so much and then couple that couple that with the humor because this this film is filled with really emotional and good wholesome moments and then really really funny ones because ken runs up and he's been having this like just breakthrough of realizing (laughs) that men rule the world and and they come together and they're like, I have something to tell you. And he's like, Well, I have something to tell you. Well let's just say it at the same time. And and he's like, Men rule the world. And she's like, we gotta go to the school. (laughs) And and I
1: just love that scene so much.
4: And I think both those actors are just or Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are just incredible. And that scene kind of shows both of them uh, doing really, really good stuff. But I love that
0: scene so much. Sorry for stealing your thunder, but you explained it better than I could have. Even. You're good. Oh, okay. Well,
2: thank you. <laughs> Kyle? I hate to say this because I think my favorite scene is actually the Ken battle scene at the end. It's so good, though. <laughs> I hate to say it because, like, there were so many, like, powerful scenes, but I was just cracking up the entire time. And just like the real world people in there, was like, are these real weapons? And he's like, <laughs> 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 it was just, and then it like just devolves into like a dance sequence where it's like not even on the beach anymore. I don't. know. It was just so so funny. So that was probably my favorite scene, just because of how hilarious it was. But yeah, a special nod to America Ferrera's like speech about women and how the duality of like you can, you got to be pretty, but you can't be pretty enough, and all all of that stuff like really hit home. So yeah. those were those were mine oh. too. That that scene
4: touches on another political issue, which is the importance of showing up to vote. <laughs>
0: <laughs> true, <laughs> true. And, and people who haven't seen the movie are like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Josh.
1: Um, so I, I touched on it a little bit. Um, I really just I I love the the intro. Um, pink. uh, scene. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I love it coupled with the reprise once she's starting having her um, existential crisis and she's going through her day, but now the narration is even more weird. Um,
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Death! Or something like that. right? Yeah. And just like, oh,
1: okay, okay, okay. Um, And just like when the world's like...
4: I like it when she falls and she's like, are you okay, girl?
1: (laughs) 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 Um, And then another one, I think, is just like the the like reconciliation between Barbie and Ken in the end and him like talking about where he's been the entire film, because he's like, I was literally made for you without you. I don't know who I am. He wanted like control of the world because he just wanted to be important, you know? When he found out patriarchy wasn't about horses, he didn't even care about that anymore.
5: <laughs> Another incredible scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> he just wanted to like be important and to mean something. And for him, that was going from being made for her to everything being made for him.
0: Perfect, yeah. Yeah. Totally agreed. Before we finish up the episode, I am curious. It's the question we've all been waiting for. I feel like I know your answers based off the way we've talked. But of Barbie or Oppenheimer, which is your favorite? Josh, let's start with you.
1: So I have Oppenheimer rated higher. It's probably a better film, but if I were standing outside of a theater right now and I had to choose one or the other, I'd probably go watch Barbara.
0: Okay. That's a fair assessment. It's a little bit more, maybe not necessarily, I don't want to say it's rewatchable, but it's easier to consume for sure. Yeah. it's as far it's as a comedy compared watch. to a
4: three hour stressful thriller, basically. Yeah. Before we did this podcast, I decided I didn't want to be a fence sitter because up to this point I had both ranked a four. Uh I changed Barbie to a four and a half. Uh I think Barbie's better than Oppenheimer. Nice if I'm being honest. Nice.
2: Love that for you and for Barbie. Kyle. Uh they're both five out of five, uh, but I do like Oppenheimer a bit more. Um and it's just they're just different. I feel yeah, like it's right, an Oppenheimer's impossible task. Good. It's it's impossible. It's, I'm not I'm not being a fence sitter either. I like Oppenheimer more, but like like to what Josh said. Like I will rewatch Barbie so much, especially if it comes to a streaming service and you can just throw it on. Man, that'll be so great! It'll be it's so funny. And I, I just t- wait for Mattel to develop their own. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, uh, I tend to rewatch comedies a lot, so uh, I could see myself. Re-watching you can, you can, Barbie, can double yeah,
1: feature I, the Barbie movie with the Uno movie,
2: an actual movie, movie that they've announced fin- finally the hot wheels movie that will inevitably come out at some point. Surely I got to think. I got to think there real quick is that like Oppenheimer is probably in contention for like top five movie of all time for me.
0: Wow. Nice. Love that. That's great. That's great. I have them both rated a five star much like Kyle, but I think I'm opposite him as far as which one I would say is my favorite. Um, I think Barbie is my favorite of the two. Now, upon another rewatch, maybe I'll get more out of Oppenheimer. I mean, more. I already rated it a five-star. But, like, maybe it'll connect with me even more. And a second Second viewing will make things make more sense or be more impactful. And maybe it'll rise up in my estimation. But as it stands, they're both five-stars. But I think I just love Barbie just slightly that much more.
2: I am interested to watch Barbie again without the help of an audience also cracking up oh it's gonna it. hurt it for sure but the experience is always there, right right so it's like it's it, i'm not gonna dig at any oh, points dang it we never even mentioned like one of the best parts which is when
4: uh margot robbie's character is like i'm not pretty <laughs> the oh movie, that was so Oh, funny. it breaks the fourth <laughs> wall she's like yeah, she's like, uh, note to the directors, if we want to make this point across, we probably should not cast Margot Robbie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that and then the, uh, the censored F-bomb with the Mattel sign over. Oh, yeah. It.
4: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: It's funny. I actually saw someone tweet before viewing Barbie about like the fourth wall break about Margot Robbie being too pretty. But, like, I didn't literally think <laughs> that the movie would pause, <laughs> and there would be a narrator that was like that said that, like I fully expected something, but not that, uh, but it cracked me up. I think they nailed it, and we didn't mention this either. I forget the band off the top of my head, but man, so many call outs to people like. When they said depression, Barbie was watching the BBC docu series *Pride and Prejudice* over and over again. Like <laughs> I just stared at Danielle, and we we shared a look and cracked up. And they mentioned something about a band, and then for us film bros, they mentioned something about the *The Godfather* and have them explain the
4: Godfather's greatness
0: to oh you. God. Oh, that was so, it's funny so too.
4: good, man! I told Emily, I was like, when you go see this, you need to watch for the scene when they're like. Uh, what, what about Dad? Oh, he'll be fine. And it cuts to him just on the couch doing yeah. Duolingo. <laughs>
1: yeah. I love him. He's trying his best. Yeah. He's doing his
0: best.
2: <laughs> I think that seems like a great dad. <laughs> I think
0: that's a real testament to this movie that we are constantly thinking of new scenes that we love and want to share and don't really want to stop talking about it. I'm not sure that the the duration that we talked about Oppenheimer compared to the duration we talked about Barbie. We've talked about Barbie a lot more than I thought we would, uh, and I think that's saying something. I'm very happy we all came away uh, from
4: this weekend loving both movies. Oh, yeah, it was
0: a Uh, successful. So
4: two two of us are team Barbie, two of us were team
0: Oppenheimer?
2: it's it's 3-1.
4: Oh yeah,
0: right? well, do I think Josh said that uh, Oppenheimer is the better Josh movie, t- but oh, yeah. that yeah. he would, I, I he would go see Barbie rated again. higher,
4: Barbie's more of a rewatchable. Okay, that's right, that's right.
0: But hey, great weekend, great movies, great games. I'm really stoked that we got to spend this time together. Thanks for coming down, Kyle. Thanks for not oh, thanks coming for down, me, Kenny. Boys. It was a blast. <laughs> we had a great time. Anything more you want to say about Oppenheimer or Barbie, or should we just end the show here? okay let's get it's out of here yeah, it's late. It's so late. we've been recording for over three hours <laughs> i think it'll be edited down to under a three-hour podcast still but it's gonna be right there so thanks everybody for listening to the board game box office podcast we hope you enjoyed leave us a review on all your favorite platforms that you're using come talk to us in the discord we'd be happy to talk about any of these games movies and more with you there we'll see you there
1: babylon anime let's
2: get out of here